Hey everybody, welcome to episode 30-something of the podcast that goes nicked. I'm your host, Jay Apostrophe Son Venable, and I'm joined again by Cameron. Five minutes ago, I was a baby mutant Sinclair. What's going on? Not much. How are you? I'm pretty good. I've discovered I don't pronounce the word mutant. I always say mutant. 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 So, Sinclair, I call him a baby mutant, not baby mutant. 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 It's because we're from the South. We don't know what we're doing. We have no idea what we're doing. We shouldn't even be able to read. <laughs> no way, that's a couple of states over. <laughs> <laughs> We're in the good part of the South. Right. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. I just started a war. Oh, well. No worries again. <laughs> right, well, anyway, uh, we're going to do Wolverine Year 3. It's going to be pretty much just like our Wolverine Year 2 episode, but it's Year 3. Different comics. Different comics. Do the math. Yeah, so we have six issues of X-Men, starting at issue 102, so uh, let's get to it. Our theme song is going to die right now. Okay, so we're going to start off with X-Men 102. This, of course, is written by Chris Claremont, pencils by Dave Cockrum, inked by Sam Granger, Is that right? Yeah. Okay. Letters by John Costanza or somebody else? John Costanza. John Costanza. Can't stand you. In color. (laughs) (laughs) The guy's been out of comics probably for years and you still (laughs) can't leave his name alone. (laughs) That's more of a Seinfeld reference. All right. Colors by Michelle Wrightson. Ah, it's Bonnie Wilford this time. Oh, okay. Well, my read colors by Michelle Wrightson. I've kind of been ignoring the classic X-Men covers. I'm a big Arthur Adams fan, but we've just taken kind of the original issues. But I got to say, this cover to classic X-Men number 10, pretty freaking awesome. Don't you agree? It's pretty good. Yeah, it's got a a giant juggernaut uh, about to nab Storm. She's crying. Uh, The original Cockrum cover, not that great, I didn't think. I disagree. I like it better. Oh, you like it better? Okay. I do. I like the Colossus. I, I guess I don't... The Juggernaut, I'm not... I don't know. I normally like Cockrum's Juggernaut quite a bit. I don't really like it on this cover that much. I do yeah, like I Nightcrawler's tail hanging on the chandelier. And the Colossus does... You're right. The Colossus looks pretty badass. It's pretty cool. And then Storm kind of whimpering in the corner is right. more... See, that seems more what happens where they're fighting and she's true, just in the corner. True. It's definitely more true to the story. But that's a cool cover, too. Yeah. Well, they're both pretty good. I do like the colors. You know, actually, now you're talking me into it. I do like... I don't know which one I like better, but I like the Cockrum more than I did originally. So... Well, there you go. All right. So, in issue 102, where we last left the X-Men in our last flashback episode, they had gone to Banshee's family castle... And we're going to have a party, but they got interrupted by the Juggernaut and Black Tom. So that's where we start off with issue 102. They're going to fight, obviously, Black Tom and Juggernaut, who's called Juggy. Um, and Storm is out for the count because of her claustrophobia. I guess that's better than calling him Jugs, right? <laughs> I was just thinking something. Nice Jugs. Nice Jugs. <laughs> So then we get a quick little storm origin of her trapped as her parents die, kind of explaining 
finally, or not, well, not finally, it hasn't been that long, but explain your claustrophobia. And Professor X feels her pain, so that's, that's noteworthy. And we Is also, that, can I interrupt real quick? Yeah. Is that the first uh, mutant manifestation story of the new characters? Well, it depends on how you interpret the Colossus story in giant size. Oh, yeah, that's true. We had that debate already. Right. So but I'm not, that was I'm not sure not. whether that was something he knew he did or whether that happened in that moment. And I don't remember how that's been retconned. <laughs> I know it has been, but I don't remember how. Yeah, I don't remember either. So. But yeah, that's so either way. So maybe not. Okay. All right, so uh, we're also introduced to Misty Knight as Jean's roommate. And we find out specifically that Jean did physically die and was resurrected into the Phoenix. Can we get that tidbit? That's right. She talks about the actually dying. Right. Anyway, we have Cyclops refuses to leave, so he chooses Jean. Professor X gets really mad, and then he sees a face in the mirror. Uh, oh, by refusing to leave, Professor X wanted him to go help the X-Men because he felt Storm's anguish. And he's like, no, I'm staying here with Jean. So that pisses the professor off. And he turns into an old West bad guy. <laughs> yeah. Calls him an unspeakable cur. Unspeakable cur. And John Wayne walks in the room. And then um, <laughs> he sees a face in the mirror. And then we go back to the fight. And Juggy is mopping up the floor with the X-Men. Someone nabs Nightcrawler takes him in a secret corridor. And the X-Men are defeated by the Juggernaut. And we come to find out that he wants to use them as bait to trap Professor X. That's basically the summary. So, uh, let's get right to it. Um, Anything on page one you want to point out? And that was a pretty cool opening splash. Yeah, that's a good good start. Storm Storm looks in in just massive pain. Wolverine I like upside Wolverine. Down. I like he's getting, if he didn't have adamantium bones, he would have broke his neck. Yeah. All right, so on page two, we get our, kind of, I guess, our first real reference of, you know, we talked about in that Cyclops and Havoc story about whether it was brought up or not. So if it hasn't been, then it is now. We get the relative mutant immunity. And so... I don't know if you saw on Facebook, but Pat posted a thing talking about how um, the way he understood it is that all relatives have a certain immunity in mutantdom. So, and I gotta say, I I do think looking back that that's right, and this is kind of, I guess, the start of it, but I still don't really like it that much. It doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah, so. I could, I mean... It would make sense to me in certain powers, like if it was telepathic aspects, like I can't get into the head of my brother, right, right. but just sheer force, like the, the concussion, concussion blast coming from, or optic blast, I mean, right. it doesn't make any sense that that wouldn't knock down Havoc. It, yeah, it should, I think it should only be power-based. So or in like, this case, like Banshee Like if Banshee could somehow use his sonar to deflect Black Tom's like energy or whatever, I'm cool with that. Yeah. And the fact that he can just stand there and take it and not do anything right, and it doesn't right. hurt him like that's I don't know. It's weird. It's not my not my favorite choice of mutant uh lore in Marvel. Yeah. Um Alright, so then on page three, Wolverine tosses Colossus. I thought that was kinda of funny. Yeah. Um, the reverse fastball special. Right, right. Throws him into the juggernaut. Then page four 
We get a snicked, and Colossus is mad but concerned. So I thought that was funny. Um, yeah, Colossus is really worried about Storm, and Wolverine, for some reason, doesn't care, or is, is really angry at her, really, right. for not fighting, which none of them, I guess, understand her claustrophobic thing. Right. So they well, just think she's being a baby, I guess. Right, or she's just scared. Get up, lady. And I thought it was interesting, or interesting way for it to play out, that Wolverine's claws cannot stop the juggernaut. I thought that was... That was interesting. They just scrape, it makes sense. scrape I mean, off of him. Yeah. It's kind of weird. Because you know that, like, I, don't, I think they've already established the juggernaut's got the unstoppable force. Yeah. Well, because he's, he's mystical. They've right. already set that up, right? Yeah, the crystal okay. and all that. Right. So. so so the claws can't get through. Uh, page five, Nightcrawler calls him Juggy <laughs> to where juggernaut backhands Wolverine. <laughs> that was a funny panel. Okay, so I think the next page is just an awesome page. I just right. wrote down, I thought the art was really nice. I thought the action scene was nice. I really liked the Nightcrawler in, in the shadow, though. It looks like his, his hip got displaced. Yeah, that's kind his of weird. His legs are going all kinds of crazy ways. Yeah, it's a great a great panel series. I do. I just I love the use of the chandelier. I love him. I love the way the fire burns on Juggernaut's face. Yeah. No, it seems the, like it gets in his mask, which that seems weird to me. Yeah, that seems kind of the, the claws just kind of bounce off him, but the fire gets in him. But um, and we get a nice rack. It's a sound that Black Tom makes. I don't know if this is something I just, if I just forgot this or if I've somehow never noticed this, this whole thing about Nightcrawler being invisible in the dark. Is it what, is invisible? That he turns invisible when he's in the shadows. Where is that? Well, that's what they talk about. I don't think it's that he turns invisible. I think he's just his skin is so dark that it's hard to see. They actually say like he turns. Yeah, they invisible? say that. I think it's in the next issue though. Oh, okay. We'll talk about it when we get there. Okay. Anyway, he kind of Scooby Doo slide. His feet get slitted into the the corridor. Yeah. Now I'm gonna say not to give away the next issue too much, but you can't really tell perspective-wise who these people are. Yeah. And and emphasis on the word perspective. Yeah. That <laughs> definitely play into next issue. Foreshadowing. I thought it was really cool the way Colossus punches the Juggernaut. Though the more we get in the story, the less sense it makes that Wolverine's claws didn't do anything. Yeah. <laughs> but um. Well, and the fact that Wolverine that he just smacks Wolverine and Wolverine's out because he doesn't do anything else the rest of this issue. Yeah. No, he's gone. Right. He's he's, he's, he's out, out the cold. Which, how many times does Wolverine get knocked out? Well, that are these early happens. issues more than... <laughs> well, that's true. In the early issues, it did seem to happen often. But. Right. All right, so then Colossus has the biggest, stretchiest uniform ever <laughs> on the last page. He's a super wedgie with the back of his yeah. shirt. <laughs> yes, that's I didn't think of that, but yes, a big wedgie. Because so he so he's got the onesie on, right? So yeah, that's a full-on yeah. wedgie. And Juggernaut is always portrayed as like the bully type, so that makes sense. Makes next, perfect next, sense. He gives Storm a noogie next issue. Yeah. And then he puts <laughs> puts Nightcrawler in the toilet. Okay, how does... Um, is this a one-time power thing for Juggernaut where he returns Storm's... First of all, what is Storm shooting? It's not lightning. What is she... I'm not clear what, what Storm is doing because she's panicking this whole time and then she wakes up briefly and does something. But yeah, it's, it's not like lightning. Bolt. I don't... I don't I don't, all right, so there's two things here in this panel that I'm not sure if these powers stick. 
I don't recall Storm having a force bolt. I don't think like so. Where that's she not shoots weather, energy. Right? It has nothing to do with weather. Like it's not a gust of wind. It's not described as wind or lightning. It's a well, she for- calls it a force bolt. Yeah. yeah. So that makes no sense. And then I really am unsure. I guess it might have to do with his mysticism, but I don't think this sticks around either. The Juggernaut is able to return the Force Bolt. Yeah, I don't remember that ever happening. Yeah. So I think that's relatively new. And how... <laughs> and just in the context of this one issue, why are cousins immune to each other's power, but Storm's not immune to her own power? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's pretty silly. Yeah, this whole... Although I like the fight sequence a lot. Yeah, this, no, it's a good fight. I, I, but it doesn't make... It's I love weird seeing to Juggernaut me. in action. Yeah, I, I was. He's a villain I like a lot. But there's two like Banshee's just knocked out, and then Wolverine's just knocked out, and Nightcrawler's knocked out. He gets rescued, right. but it just all this concussions. Oh, Juggernaut kicks their ass. There's no way it around. Really it really does. So the X Men definitely. And Colossus. How's Colossus class? getting knocked out? He's steel. Well, he got. Let's see. He got knocked out by. He got it's crushed all, by the rubble. buildings fell on him. Yeah. But I still don't. Unconscious Colossus still. I don't know. I don't, I don't yeah, buy that. I don't know either. Especially not when he's in his metal form. Right. I guess I'm just saying the concussive energy. I don't know. But maybe the idea here is that Juggernaut is just that powerful. Right. Which I'm okay with that. Yeah, I like I'm Juggernaut cool with that. Being super yeah, powerful. I'm, I'm down with that. Overall, I thought the art was pretty fantastic in this issue. Uh, it's definitely one of Cochran's highlight issues, I feel like. Yeah, I think um, so. And I thought the story was really good. Um, I actually enjoyed this issue quite a bit as far as it carrying over. It's part two of, I guess, kind of the Juggernaut trilogy we get here. Yeah. Um, yeah, so this is a good one. I, I thought it was pretty fantastic. Um, anything else you want to say about it before we grade it? I don't think so. I mean, like you said, it's it's really good. The 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 art is all good yeah which is unusual because yeah, the other ones we've looked yeah. at with Cochrane, there's always at least a couple of pages, a couple of pages or a couple of faces right. especially where it's like yeah this looks really weird no but i thought pretty much throughout i mean i guess i could probably go back and nitpick something but he's pretty on his game yeah I mean, there's a I few thought it was very, spots here and there i guess but very a game of Cochrane in this issue yeah all right well so that said i'm gonna give uh, issue 102 three out of three claws i enjoyed it quite a bit i thought it was a great old X-Men story really kind of satisfied what I want out of this kind of issue. I agree. I'll go with three out of three, too. I liked, you know, old school, lots of fighting, lots of action, good backstory. Right, yeah. Talked about the Suez crisis, a little history there for, right. for history nerds <laughs> like me. Yeah, I thought it hit, it hit all the right notes. It was a very, very well-paced issue. Yeah. I thought it just went really long. All right, so we both gave issue 102 three out of three claws. All right, we've basically been ignoring the classic stuff. I just want to point out one thing in this backup story because it's all about Wolverine. Even though you don't see him, it's supposed to be one of his first encounters of Sabretooth, which I thought this was a weird place in the X-Men timeline to put that. That's not really what I want to talk about. Because, so as late as, um, let's see, this classic came out in 87. So as late as 87, there's a reference in this story, in the backup here, to Wolverine having implanted claws. Oops. Huh. Interesting. <laughs> so I, I, I was surprised. I felt that, first of all, I don't remember that ever being spelled out. That's why I was able, as a hardcore continuity whore, 
why I was able to enjoy the origin story so much when it turned out he had bone claws. Because I was like, well, it never really said. But now to find out that, well, wait, yeah, there's at least one occasion where it did say. I, I don't really care because I enjoy the, ask, the the origin story so good that I'm willing to kind of accept all of it anyway. But I just thought it was yeah. interesting and whatever that I didn't remember there being a specific reference to the claws being implanted. Yeah, that's interesting. So. I may I may show my ignorance on that as we're going through these issues. That may get said a lot. I just don't. I yeah, forgot. I, wonder it. If in the, like, I the either forgot stuff. about it or I let the the knowledge I have now override it in my brain cells. Yeah. <laughs> so, but either way, I was surprised. Well, because so. I remember some of the other issues they did, even into the two hundreds, where where when they had stuff of Wolverine before Weapon X, right? He didn't, he didn't, he do didn't use the claws. And I remember there was one one World War Two story, the one with Captain America, Captain America yeah. where he actually gets like kind of one of those ninja claw weapons. Yeah. So it looks like Wolverine claws, but it's not his claws. And so there's always kind of the inference that he didn't have claws until the Weapon X stuff. I, but I don't remember it ever being spelled out. But I'm yeah. guessing if, maybe it was. I think I may have just said this, but I wonder if in the Marvel Comics presents X X. Uh, yeah, I haven't read that in a long time. Yeah, I wonder if I, I can't remember if they say anything about right. that in there. So if anybody wants to uh, to email it or get on the Facebook or whatever and and set the record straight, I will eventually. We're, we're going to make our way to that eventually and reread it. So we'll find it as it comes. But I would be curious to know at what point that was spelled out at all. If he, like, specifically the idea of the claws were implanted. But anyway, I don't want to linger on that too much. Um, so to sum up, we both gave uh, X-Men 102 three out of three claws. All right, so issue 103. Uh, author Chris Claremont, artist Dave Cockrum, inker Sam Granger... John Costanza, letterer, Janice Cohen, colorist. It's a different colorist on yours. Yeah, I have uh, Evelyn Stein. It's interesting how most of the colorists are female. We pick up uh, still back at Cassidy, Cassidy Keep. We start on the first panel, or do you want to talk about the cover? Yeah, let's talk about the cover just briefly. The cover, I like the original cover quite a bit. Well, the the other one is really just a redo. Oh yeah, it's <laughs> the pretty classic similar. one is pretty similar. Nightcrawler changes positions. Yeah, Storm's facing a little different direction, but it's right. a pretty good one. It makes me think of uh, that old toy set with the little castles, and you used to flick the things at it. Yes, the yeah, the little fake catapults. Yeah, catapults. This is what it was. Cat- crossbows and catapults. Is that what it's called? Anyway, something like that. Um, yeah. Juggernaut's holding a piece of a of the castle basically, and he's about to throw it at Storm. But he must have been pretty slow because Nightcrawler is climbing into the hole of the rock that he's holding. <laughs> so he must have held it for a while for True. Nightcrawler to find his way into the hole. Yeah. He's holding that pose for a while. Yeah. All right. So 103. We pick up uh, in the walls with the the people who had rescued Nightcrawler in the middle of last time, in the little middle of the last issue. We now find out that they are tiny. Yes. So and that's what I was talking about with the perspective. Because exactly in the previous issue, you couldn't really tell that they were tiny. So right. it was really kind of mysterious who they were. But in my notes, I wrote, holy shit, elves are carrying the elf. Because that's uh, Nightcrawler's <laughs> nickname. That's right. Yeah. What I thought was interesting is we find out that they are leprechauns. Yes. It's Ireland. So obviously yeah. you got to have leprechauns. Right. But if you look at them, 
They don't look like leprechauns. One guy looks like a leprechaun. One guy looks like a garden gnome. There's one guy later who looks like Spock. <laughs> they definitely have Spock ears. And the rest of them look like elves, like Santa's elves type characters. Right, yeah. So it's kind of a, I thought it was weird. I don't know why I thought it was weird. It was just funny. I guess funny more than weird. Just they had all these different kinds of, instead of like, you know, well, leprechauns. Leprechauns are a diverse people. It's true. I'm being racist towards red leprechauns. You are. And assuming that they all look the same and act You're the same. a leprechaun elitist. <laughs> That's right. Bastard. Oh, man. So anyway, so these leprechauns save uh, Nightcrawler for some reason. They're carrying him through the walls. Then we jump back and we look and we see that basically they recap us that Juggernaut Black Tom had defeated everybody else. Colossus, Wolverine, Storm, um, Banshee. Nightcrawler wakes up. They tell him about it. Uh, and then the the guy shows up, whose name I just forgot, but the keeper of the... The Keeper of the Keep. <laughs> Eamon O'Donnell is his name, yeah. sorry. I was trying to remember his keeper name. The Keeper of the Keep. The Keeper of the Keep. And he shows up, and he's normal-sized, if I remember correctly. I'll yeah, he's just a there. human. He's. And we find out, basically, the backstory to all this, that Juggernaut and Black Tom had basically taken the castle and put right. everybody in prison, the, the people who lived there, which I guess includes the leprechauns and all these other families, right. and then... The keeper of the keep has to behave, basically. So, a little quick backstory, and then the hint of who's behind this, because they show the shadow of a pointy-haired character in red, in red that you assume is going to be Eric the Red. Yeah, it was pretty coming back, pretty from, obvious. Yeah, I it thought. was not really very well hidden, <laughs> right? From ninety, and really, what they should have done in that in that panel is just shown you the shadow, because then you would think, "Ooh, that looks kind of like Eric the Red's helmet." But you're not entirely sure. But seeing the red, the back of the red helmet and the shoulder pad and the glove, yeah, it's it not a, really very... Um, it was a straight giveaway. Yeah. And maybe that's what he meant, but he could have played with the reader a little bit there, and I don't think he did. Yeah, that's true. So, basically, they keep informing Nightcrawler about what happened. He moves through. He overhears, or one of the, the, one of the leprechauns overhears that Black Tom and Juggernaut are going to torture all of the X-Men. Right. So they try to get to the torture chamber. Apparently they have a torture chamber. <laughs> well, every castle does. I guess so. So they get there and we see everybody bandaged up, basically protecting against their mutant powers. Unless you're, unless you're a poor, poor folk castle, then you don't have a torture chamber. But I guess that's true. Yeah. Low rent castles. Oh, your castle doesn't have a torture <laughs> chamber. Lifestyles of the... Medieval rich. Your things. carriage probably only has two horses. <laughs> oh my goodness. I'm right, sorry. All right. <laughs> so back to the torture chamber. Yes. So the torture chamber has got everybody locked up. Wolverine's claws are covered. Banshee's mouth is covered. Colossus is floating for some they reason. They did their research. And Storm, although she's going to use her powers in a minute, she's all chained up somehow. <laughs> But I don't know what it's doing. <laughs> Very strange contraption. So, and Black Tom puts on this glove that he calls the Neuronic Tangler Glove. <laughs> well, so my question is, in this, <laughs> in this, and maybe I should save this to our, our weird stuff, but I can't let it go. In this ancient castle, I, I, I'm, 
totally cool with there being a torture chamber, but why is it so damned advanced? Well, they talk about all the money. They got money, and they turned this into a death trap. So I'm assuming right, so this, this is... This is a long-term plan. Yeah, apparently they've okay. spent right. years preparing this. Okay. Although it doesn't give the impression that it's been very long, but... Because they have the big laser cannon in the tower later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. They've really souped this up. Oh, yeah. So he's got this gauntlet called the Neuronic. <laughs> the Neuronic Tangler Glove, but it doesn't really say what it is, except that it's no, going it, to call them imagine, unimaginable pain. Yes. Juggernaut wants to just beat them, but Black Tom says, no, you might just kill them, but we need to torture them. Because, again, we've already established in the last issue, this is all designed to trap Professor, Professor X. X. So he's right. going to torture them with this glove that tangles their neurons, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> Whatever that means. And uh, that's going to make Professor X come. Right. So. <laughs> it's so going that's to, what the neuron entangler it's does. Going to get. <laughs> it tickles you until you come. Yeah. <laughs> Ooh, this podcast just got blue. <laughs> Let's start again. From the top. Just kidding. Okay. Okay. <laughs> So, innuendos aside, right. it's going to get Professor Xavier to come to this place. Yes. So, in the middle of the torturing, Professor Xavier shows up. But then he gets out of his chair and he starts kicking everybody's butt. And they say, I thought he was a cripple. So, that was funny. Black Tom right. says, you said he was a cripple. <laughs> and they're like, oh, wait, it's not Professor X. And then they figure out that it's Nightcrawler using his image inducer. Right. Kind of a, you want me? Here I am. Exactly. Yeah. Which I and thought then, was really cool, by the way. So Black Tom shoots a hole in the roof. And I... Th- let's go ahead and talk about this now. I, I don't understand... I get the claustrophobia. Right. I don't understand why in this castle where all the rooms are very large, why right. she's claustrophobic. Yeah, that doesn't make sense either. It's not the clear thing to me. is because she's trapped in this contraption. But even before, this, the whole the issue before, but they not, were in a big room fighting, and she was in the corner crying. But didn't part of it collapse? Isn't that what was going on there? I mean, because I think, they got trapped in that maybe corridor? It, right at first, but then okay. they were out in the open. Because she wasn't claustrophobic when they were all dressed up and going to the ball. Yeah. So that's why I don't understand why she suddenly... I mean, right. I think something triggered it, then she can't Yeah, there must be some it. kind of emotional response to it. So I she guess, holds too. on to it here. And I, it's so, anyway, the point here is Black Tom shoots a hole in the roof and then she can see the sky and then suddenly all her powers return to her and she gets over the claustrophobia. Right. Which, okay. I don't know why the little power enablers don't work on her. I guess maybe they didn't understand her power. Maybe not. But either way, as soon as she sees the sky, she calls in the storms. It whiffs everybody away except for Banshee. Juggernaut grabs Banshee and holds on to him, but all the rest of them fly out of the castle to safety. Well, it doesn't work on Banshee because Juggernaut pins his wings down. Well, yeah, Juggernaut grabs Banshee. That's the only thing I can see in there. I don't know why else he wouldn't be the most swept away with his uniform. Yeah, well, I just Juggernaut grabs him because he's just just holding on to him, so I guess that's why. But yeah, so they, they fly to safety. So then we go to the little people trying to get out the ho- there's a hole in the ceiling so they're trying to sneak away while everybody's not paying attention chat that was kind of a weird I don't really know why they even had that panel it was just <laughs> having them go quick let's get out of here be quiet right 
Oh, oh, they because they rescue Nightcrawler again. I'm sorry, that's why. So Nightcrawler's under a bunch of stuff, and they he's rescue gonna, him again. He's gonna owe quite a debt to these leprechauns. I know, really. They pulled his ass out of the fire quite a bit. <laughs> a pot of gold for him. He needs <laughs> right. to give them a pot of gold. <laughs> right. Or at least lucky charms. <laughs> so they. Uh, you know, <laughs> Juggernaut should have eaten a leprechaun and said it was magically delicious. <laughs> would have just, just bite the head right off because it's so. <laughs> That would have been really fun. Or Wolverine, maybe. Or horrible. Yes, well. <laughs> or both. Probably a little bit of both. Right. So Juggernaut and Black Tom, um, basically they decide to go to the roof, carry Banshee up to the roof to hold him up over the edge to try to taunt the X-Men. Again, with the still goal of getting Professor X to to come there for some right. reason. Yeah. But now this is all happening so fast. I don't... I'm kind of wondering if, if they don't. No, if they can, like, if now they're just trying to kind of keep the fight on their favor. Yeah, it's kind of so like they've, lost, still, they've they, lost touch with the goal. Because, they've lost control really, yeah, they've of lost the situation, control. so they're no longer trying to enforce their plan and just trying to make sure they get out of there alive. Yeah, I guess that makes sense, because none of this is really, it's now it's too fast to wait for Professor Xavier to show right. up. So, anyway, so they start, so they basically try to take siege the castle to rescue Banshee. Uh, Colossus throws Wolverine up the, <laughs> on a, a a surprise fastball special. Right, where right. He throws him up onto the roof, and then Colossus begins climbing the wall. Um, Storm's flying through the air. Energy Blaster comes out and shoots her, and she gives a nice shout out to the Danger Room. So that was really funny. Right. That it shoots her, and then she's like, "Oh, it's a good thing I trained all these times in the Danger Room." Right. So the hours to, in the Danger Room. It's like to give. She gives this whole paragraph about how she was able to quickly avoid that laser beam. It's right. like, yeah, we got it. You're trained. You're an X Man. <laughs> but whatever. So, storm gets worse. The the actual storm taking place gets worse. Yeah, I thought that, that was really cool. Creating. That was a cool panel, I think. Oh, so in the midst of this, so Wolverine is talking to a leprechaun for some reason. He doesn't believe in leprechauns, which is kind of <laughs> funny. And then Nightcrawler unties Banshee. Banshee gets out. He shoots the floor out from under Juggernaut, basically. And then they fight Black Tom for a few minutes, and then eventually Black Tom gets thrown into the ocean off the edge of the off the edge of the castle, and then right. Juggernaut jumps in after him. Right. In a very awkward-looking panel. It is an awkward-looking panel. Because it, it looks like Juggernaut's flying, but he's just jumping. <laughs> but it's, I thought that was a really, it was really anticlimactic to me. Because it's like, they're fighting and fighting, and then Black Tom falls over. And Juggernaut's just like, wait for me, Tom. And he jumps into the water, too. Right. That was really weird. Just like, he, he's defeating them. It's not like he's losing. Right. I don't know. I guess he's going to rescue Black Tom, but it seems like well, he'd sink to the bottom. Yeah. So, you know. And you're, you have to read a lot into their friendship than what you got out of these three issues. Yeah, I guess that's true. There's mm-hmm. a lot more to that history with that, that, that will later kind of right. develop more. And how, the, how they're best friends. Cause right. really they seem like two villains teaming up for a common goal. But you know, I guess, like you said, they had to spend a lot of time souping this castle up. So I'm, you know, in Ireland, they, they probably had several pints of Guinness together as they were getting the castle ready. And <laughs> you know, has some bromance. It's true. Uh, uh, yeah, bromance, definitely. So then the final scene, we have Eric the Red talking to... Alien Craven. Alien Craven, <laughs> yeah. Who talks about Princess Niramani, who's arriving. 
Which is uh, Lalandra? Yes. That's, that's her, her that's last her name, name, right? There you go. I was, I was confused. It's Lalandra right. Niramani. There you go. There you go. So it's setting up the idea that this is all about the Shi'ar um, and that these guys are here trying. Well, they don't say Shi'ar yet, though. They don't. But okay, right. if you know who Princess Niramani, Nir- right, right. you know that. Because that's already been set up in X-Men history, right? No. Oh, is this the... is This We're this arc the is the beginning stories. of the Shi'ar? Yeah. Oh, I didn't realize that. Okay. Yeah. Well, then never mind. So if you're just a regular reader, you're like, oh, princess, okay. You got a weird, creepy guy, looks like Craven, Eric the Red, and then Magneto. Yeah, and pretty obvious with Magneto. And, but in case you couldn't tell, they tell you at the bottom of the page that... Yeah. This is, the gentleman's name is Magneto. And then a classic Nuff Marvel Nuff said. Good times. Yeah, so what you got? All right, I kind of, this one I kind of did all the crazy stuff as we went through it, but. Yeah, a lot of it. I will say, I thought it was funny that in the flashback, the, the leprechauns are super leprechaun y. They're like all in like green Peter Pan clothes. <laughs> See, they're racist too then, because they went with the. Right, but then in the first panel, they're not. They're all, they're super like, yeah. kind of all scattered all over the place. But when they're captured, they're all like super Peter Pan. That's funny. Like, in fact, that, she's even wearing a Tinkerbell dress. <laughs> the one the one running off yeah. carrying oh, yeah, the baby. that's true. That's funny. So, I didn't notice that the first time around. I called, in my notes, I said, talking about the, the dungeon, I called it a dungeon of convenience. Yeah. I ha- they just happen to have all the right things they needed to trap the specific X not only to trap the X-Men but specifically the ones that showed up yeah right, to me yeah all right, you spend all this time planning some research. you can do research but you can't exactly know I mean what if Cyclops had come instead of Banshee you know or, well I mean, and apparently or, they did or they knew, I guess they knew Banshee would come but what if Cyclops had come also, also come yeah you know? well maybe they had those devices yeah, also somewhere in the back but and they weren't quite right because they didn't block Storm's power Right, they just trapped her. They just trapped green her. Green lightning bolts. Yeah. So the one big thing I did want to talk about is this invisible shadow thing. All right. Yeah. You didn't so really remember that. I so if you look on page, <clears throat> excuse me, you jump to page um, six. It's six in mind. Okay. What's on it? Uh, it's just Nightcrawler talking. I don't have. I think they cut this out. I bet it was so stupid they just cut it out. <laughs> Because it doesn't make any sense. I don't have, I don't have that page of uh, Black Tom's head really big. And then it jumps. They really changed this one up a lot. So they just, yeah, really they just edited this. this one. They literally just edited this story about his hand being invisible out. Oh. I bet they just retconned that out. All right, so, see, so right, give me the, the nitty gritty. So basically on. what happens here, so he jumps in there and the one of Leprechaun says, a moment I've seen wondering... When we found ye, the part of ye let that lay in the shadow disappeared. How'd ye do that? Nightcrawler says, you must be mistaken. I can't do anything like that. And he says, don't tell me, boyo. I saw it. Matter of fact, your face is always in the shadow. And he says, I knew that. But the other thing, still, it shouldn't be too hard to check. So then he puts his hand into a shadow and it literally disappears. Even with the glove on? Uh-huh. And he says, oh. wow, this is incredible. My hand, it, it was invincible. I've got to try it with a, my whole body. So then he gets into the shadows and his whole body disappears except for his eyes. I kind of, you, you think it's dumb. I kind of like two that. Floating, floating eyes right here. Yeah. It doesn't really make sense. It has nothing to do with teleportation, but I think it's kind of cool. 
it looks cool, but I think it's kind of dumb. I guess right. just I guess the idea to me is dumb that his clothes would disappear and well, everything. Apparently, the editors at Marvel agreed with you because <laughs> they, they completely funny. wrote that out. That's funny. They're just like, all right, we're done. This 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 didn't work out. So, oh, uh, which I mean, the idea here is how would the, at what at what level of shadow would his invisibility take over? Right. Because it's not like it's there's you know that's true dark and light so it's like suddenly it's like uh, what transition wins this <laughs> <laughs> he goes fadier uh, fade, fades out kind of as the light gets brighter and darker and you know not to bring too much perversion back to the neural inhibitor gl- or whatever <laughs> entangler glove but it looks. <laughs> Black Tom was like the perverted like creepy uncle that's about to like touch storm he does <laughs> he looks really like yeah this creepy is like after school special yeah. scene it is very molesty yeah yeah it made me uncomfortable yeah so i just wanted to kind of say again i really really enjoyed the idea the bait and switch with the professor x fight with nightcrawler i thought that was really cool yeah i did too A really good story i beat. like that um <laughs> so wolverine um they they all kind of break free, and Colossus is trying to get this boot off Wolverine's foot. Um, he he does remember he has yeah. adamantium claws that can slice through anything, right? I miss so that. He doesn't even try to get his claws out. He's like, "Come on, Colossus, hurry up!" <laughs> yeah, it's kind of funny that he doesn't try to slice them. Right, and then Storm just comes and picks the lock. <laughs> that was really just so she could be cool and show how. Well, yeah, and that off. that's the skill she's gonna have forever so I right. think it's wanted to find a way to squeeze that in I really like uh, Wolverine's hey! as Colossus throws him up the yeah. tower that I like really, that too. and the way like the very cartoony like tiny black shadow that he becomes as Colossus throws him up yeah. that was really funny but I like the way because I kind of expected Chris Claremont to say this and be on the nose and I'm glad he did it but I like the idea of the storm and, you know, and they're storming the castle. I thought it was a cool illusion. And I'm glad he didn't spell that out. Because that sounds like something he would do. And the X-Men stormed the castle. And you see all the lightning and thunder. But I like the unspoken symbolism. I yeah. thought that was really cool. Okay. Uh, so we get this part where uh, Wolverine's talking about not believing leprechauns. Yeah. And I'm gonna, that was kind of a weird scene. Well, we get revealed the name Logan. He goes, um, I think a, I can help thee there, Mr. Logan. Yeah. All right. So this is really a Is that cool, the first Logan? This is the first Logan in a really cool part of Wolverine's history. It's really, really disappointing to me <laughs> yeah. that we find out his name from a leprechaun. Yeah. Like, I just thought that was really And that's dumb. The, it's the Christmas elf leprechaun, too. Yeah. <laughs> I just, I don't know. Like, I got really excited when I read it, and then I thought about the, uh, context and I yeah. got really disappointed well and it's a random moment too because well, he gets thrown too far away and then the leprechaun shows up right he's like I know who ye are Mr. Logan he's like well okay leprechauns have magic knowledge to me that was like a really we need another part with the leprechaun panel because I don't know there's no other reason at all to have these three squares I think he had a Chris Claremont had a leprechaun fetish <laughs> And I think he wanted to squeeze in and shoehorn in a way to introduce Logan's name. 
He's like, oh, the leprechauns can do it. Great. All right. Yeah. Draw but why? This. What's the point of that? It doesn't make any sense. It just, especially knowing what we know now, yeah. with as cool as Wolverine's history is, for the big reveal of his name. And, and as a reader back then, that would have been like a big reveal. Yeah. Like Wolverine's been super mysterious. You know, you don't know anything about his past or anything. You you get little glimpses of like his anger management issues and stuff like that. Yeah. And if you know, we we go almost a year without seeing him unmasked. And why does he know that he's Logan? Because otherwise, they don't have mystical powers. It's not like these are magic leprechauns. Because they're hiding in closets all around the world and under washing <laughs> machines. Stealing people's socks so and, and learning their secrets. Sock monsters. <laughs> so this is the real thing. Because otherwise, the leprechaun, they don't do anything. They don't have any magical powers in this comic, that is. I mean, right. real leprechauns do, yeah, obviously. Yeah, no, there's but, no like disappearing or anything. They would have got out of the castle. So there's no... Because even when I read this, I didn't... It didn't click with me that this was the first reveal. Yeah. So I just assumed he was calling him by his last name. Oh, no, this this is where the reader finds out Wolverine's alias. Right. But so I guess my point to that is it's so uh, understated that it's like you don't even really notice, oh, this is a big thing that it's his last name. But now. see, I don't know. I don't think it was intended to be because it's in bold. Yeah. I think Claremont was intended. I think he meant, for, and, and look at Wolverine's face. It's like when he doesn't, when he realizes the leprechaun knows yeah. who no, he is. No, you're right. It makes he sense now. He looks super shocked. I just didn't, at the when I first what you know reading it at the beginning it didn't it didn't click with me that way right because I, to me it's like if you're going to have this reveal maybe the keeper of the keep or something but i guess the idea here is that this guy mystical little people know a lot of things he says to me they should have i mean i guess you can't wait you can't reveal too much at once i guess but i would have loved for him to have been fighting a villain and the villain somehow knew who he was and then yeah. draw that story out you know, like, oh, how does Wolverine has to find out how this guy knows his name? Right. Or even, like, maybe Black Tom knew because they did yeah, all this even, research. Yeah, even Black Tom would have been better than, than a, a damn leprechaun. It was, a, that's, yeah, that that's really just kind of silly. The yeah. more I think about it, the more irritated I am it about kind it. Of, it almost ruined the issue for me. It didn't because it was a really good issue, but. Right, yeah, that's pretty disappointing. I mean, you know, I like leprechauns okay. Right. But, come on. And I don't remember. I need to go back and reread or listen to the Danger Room podcast and see how they stopped Juggernaut in the past. But I thought it was really cool the way Black, or uh, not Black Tom, Banshee uses his power to kind of take the ground out from under his yeah. feet. Because that's kind of a classic Juggernaut trope now. That's like the fall back way the X-Men beat him. Right. Because you can't stop him, so he's got to get rid of the ground. Right, and you knock him down or yeah. re- misdirect him or something. I also noticed... See here, this is kind of what I was talking about. We were talking about Banshee's power, the uh, the way it was illustrated. Mm-hmm. See, this one, the E's, they're not in a dialogue bubble, but they're not inside the power. Yeah. That's what I was getting at when yeah. we talked about that I last time. I see what time. you mean. So, Interesting. I, I thought the fight between Black Tom and uh, Banshee was really cool. Yeah, I liked that a lot. That was um, pretty well done. The acrobatics. And I don't remember why I wrote this, but... I wrote something about the hierarchy being interesting in this last page. The hierarchy? I guess the hier- I guess I must re- be referring to the hierarchy of the villains. Yeah. You find out that Eric the Red's not the boss. Yes, I thought that was interesting. And Magneto's not either. 
I thought that was interesting. Yeah, Nanito somehow Nanito's almost yeah. always the big boss. Right, right. And to find out that he's just kind of a pawn too, I thought that was really interesting. Well, and whoever's looking for this Princess Niramani, who yes. at this point we don't know who it is. <laughs> Alien Craven. Alien Craven. I swear, because it looks like he has the leopard jack, the yeah. vest on, the leopard vest that Craven wore all the time. He does. Okay, so what'd you uh, what'd you grade this one? Um, I think I probably still give it a three. I did too. But I, I, it's definitely a soft three because of the leprechaun thing, the neuronic tangled glove, tangler <laughs> glove. Both of those I thought were really silly. Right. But, and the more I think about the leprechaun thing, the madder I am. So if I keep talking <laughs> right. about it, I'll probably drop it to a two. Right. But, yeah. Well, but I otherwise, also, it's really good. I also originally gave it a three out of three claws, and I'm going to, I'm going to stick to it. But yeah, there are a couple of things that really bugged me. But, yeah, but I thought overall, I thought the art was really strong yeah, again. Like last time, no, no weak art. Right. Even the leprechauns. They look cool. I mean, yeah, they look well like leprechauns should. Well, besides when they look like elves or gremlins or whatever. Or Spock. But, um, I thought the story was mostly A+. Plus. I think we kind of talked about all the reasons it wasn't <laughs> Yeah. already. So, But overall, I, I really enjoyed the conclusion to our Juggernaut trilogy. I guess I really shouldn't. He's not really the main focus. The, yeah. The Cassidy Keep trilogy, I guess, would be the more proper. Although it, it's a bit, it is a it's bit anticlimactic. It's pretty Juggernaut heavy. Yeah. Well, I would say it is, it's a bit anticlimactic, though, with him just kind of jumping off the Yeah, but honestly, away. like. I mean, I don't know what else, how else they could have done that. Well, not without losing. <laughs> right. But it, yeah, but it's to me, it's like the Juggernaut ran away. I, mean, I think he would have had to. I don't, I don't think the X-Men can phys- physically compete with him at this point in yeah. their career. No, I agree with you. I, and I don't, like I said, I don't think there's anything, any other way they could have done that. With right. Either them running away or him running away, basically. But I thought, you know, the, the last page notwithstanding, I thought the... The Banshee Black Tom fight was a pretty good climax. Yeah, so, it was. You're right. All right. So uh, anyway, we both uh, give X Men 103 three out of three claws. All right. So next, <laughs> thank Sorry. you for the applause. <laughs> <laughs> so next we have X Men 104. The gentleman's name is Magneto. So I don't think Magneto is much of a gentleman. <laughs> An evil gentleman. <laughs> Sorry, we just take re- three. We just rehearsed that. <laughs> oh. Let's try it again. Okay. <laughs> the gentleman's name is Magneto. I don't think Magneto's much of a gentleman. An evil gentleman. I just did my pinky to my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> All right, anyway, it's uh, written by Chris Claremont, pencils by Dave Cockrum, inks by Sam Granger, and my letters are by Bruce Patterson. Mine are just by Patterson. Oh, okay. Wow. He dropped the first name. He's a he's Brazilian. <laughs> <laughs> he's a Brazilian soccer player. Yeah. Um, and I have a colors by Evelyn Stein again. Mine is A. Yanchis. Oh, okay. All right. So, the cover by Cockrum. I like this cover a lot. Now, Nino's helmet's a little wide open, but... But I really just like the homage to X-Men number one. That's yeah. really the main reason. I, I like, like it, except... Yeah, that's... I was going to say his face, but I think it's more that it's the the helmet. There's too much face right? in the right. helmet, so it looks weird. Yeah. Yeah, but otherwise, I, I like it a little bit. I mean, even like the poses, like Wolverine's pretty much Iceman, I think. Yeah. And Storm is Jean Grey. 
Yeah, Nightcrawler's Beast. Or no, Storm's Angel. Yeah. Nightcrawler's Beast and uh, Colossus is Jean Grey. Yeah. This is why he looks like he's dancing. <laughs> right. He's doing a jig in the He does kind of look like he's dancing. All right, well, so basically, the X-Men are going to leave Banshee's castle, and they're going to head for Muir Island because Maura McTaggart sent a distress Maura call. McTaggart. So they get on the hovercraft. The hovercraft explodes before they get to the island. But what is, how did I write here? Oh, they go to a giant metal castle. So from one castle to another. Then a force field envelopes them and lifts them into the air and into a lab through the wall. And we see Magneto. Dun, dun, dun. A great panel. All right. So then Cyclops and Mariah also arrive, which... All right. So was she there when she made... Uh, we'll get to that. <laughs> yeah. That... Yeah. We'll come back to that. That's Cyclops and Mariah, confusing. they... uh. They find Jamie Madrox, and Cyclops gets super pissed that Professor X and Dr. McTaggart have been keeping secrets from him, referring to the Mutant Research Center, because he didn't know about it. Not only that, but he didn't know they were keeping the evil mutants that they defeated there. Oh, interesting. So, uh... This feels betrayed. And Madrox t- catches us up to speed, that Eric the Red and Havoc and Polaris came and set Magneto free, and now Magneto is defeating the X-Men. So Cyclops helps, then he pulls, <laughs> he argues with Wolverine and then pulls the team out. Because they're going to go, they realize Professor X, this is just a distraction, Professor X must be in mortal danger. And Wolverine's like, no, we can't lose. The Wolverine doesn't lose. So Magneto is victorious as the X-Men flee and Cyclops is worried about Professor X and Eric the Red. Then at the end, we get a nice little uh, kind of here's what's coming next kind of scene. We see some uh, space pirates. We finally see the, uh, pr- the bug astronaut's face. And it's going to be the princess. And then we see a Jean Grey family reunion outside her new apartment in Greenwich Village. And remember this, that Eric the Red and Havoc and Polaris are standing outside the apartment in Greenwich Village. Peeping on. Peeping on them. But again, I stress, they're standing outside Jean Grey's apartment. <laughs> okay. Anyway, that might come into play in issue 105. Okay. Maybe. Anyway, uh, page one, I was really excited about a hovercraft, just because I love G.I. Joe. Yeah, heck and that yeah. was one of my favorite vehicles. I liked it. It's a. It's we have four panels of them haggling over this hovercraft. Right. And and uh, Colossus's face looks like Wolverine's face in the very first page. Oh. In my opinion, he looks kind like of, a Logan. Yeah. Head. His jaws are. His sunken in jaws look like big sideburns. So I, I yeah. see. I get your drift. Oh yeah, but otherwise. Oh, I like the the excuse of how they're why they're still in their uniforms. I also love the justified theft of the hovercraft. Right. <laughs> and how they throw some money at him, and that it's okay to steal if they throw money at the guy. Well, that's a that's a that's a TV thing or like a movie thing that happens, you know? Right, people, right, right. They, the the heroes steal steal stuff because they don't have time to buy things. <laughs> right. Or to but they pay it. for it. Right. 
Um, I also, this guy's, he looks like an evil Don Knotts. I thought. <laughs> yeah, he kind of does. The page after they come out of the water, we get another example of Wolverine's floppy fins. Yeah. So Cockrum really likes the floppy fins whenever floppy Wolverine fins. gets wet. He also really likes giving a Nightcrawler, the, the California dude, the beach chair whenever he gets out of the water, too. Yeah, and they ba- all. And Banshee looks like he's in a British invasion band, like in the nineties. <laughs> yeah, he like does. the second wave, like the Britpop stuff. Yeah, he was <laughs> sort of Richard Ashcroft. <laughs> <laughs> then I said, this is also where I mess up your flow here. No, go for it. Uh, this is also where I, I mentioned. I mentioned this off off air. We'll keep talking about this later. Where he sets up the gag that every where Nightcrawler says every time we ride in something mechanical it crashes, <laughs> right? And then that happens a bunch. So they have my electronic curse. Yeah. I, all my electronic stuff always eventually goes to shit. Yeah. So the X Men cannot ride any vehicles or planes or anything. That's right. So force filled bubble. What? <laughs> <laughs> I will say little uh, unintentional foreshadowing when the bubble lifts the chunk of beach up. Because we don't know yet we're dealing with Magneto. Oh, spoiler. spoiler. But it kind of looks like a miniature asteroid M. Yeah, it kind of so does. I thought that was interesting. That is uh, interesting. Unintentional uh, foreshadowing. How did they know if they if they cut loose in this bubble, how did they know that all the powers wouldn't come back and destroy them? Well, yeah, I don't know. They would just bounce back and like a banshee ricochet, like bouncing through the bubble or a storm... Obviously using a force bolt again because there's no... <laughs> Something like that. But then, so as they bust the bubble, they also bust through the wall. That's very convenient. And then we get, I got to say, because this is his first time to draw him, we get Dave Cockrum's Magneto. And I, I think his Magneto is pretty sweet. The cover aside, the helmet looks a lot better when he's actually in the comic. Yeah, I, I, I think really, this, is I think this panel. panel is yeah, I agree. It's just awesome panel. It's top level Magneto. So, and I like that the the power use is like a yellow glow rather than yeah. the weird waves that we get right. throughout the rest of this comic. Right, right. No, I really enjoy this. And the I am Magneto it just is very stuff. Magneto and it's very cool. Yeah. So, uh, Laura McTaggart is in uh, Project Armageddon. Apparently. I mean, she, that's the exact uniform that, uh, what's his name, wore on yeah. the space station, right? Yeah. So. Weird. Yeah, it was kind of weird. Now, is Madrox, is Jamie Madrox, he hadn't been in X-Men before. Because uh, it says he was in Fantastic Four. Yes, and the X-Men were, have seen him before. I think in Fantastic Four and in Avengers. Oh, okay. And, and some, because he showed up in that time when X-Men was not being published or when they were doing the reprint stuff. Oh, yeah. So, is it established that he's a mutant? I believe so, okay. yes. I mean, that's really why I was asking. I was curious. Yeah, I think he fought the evil mutants with the... There's like a weird thing where the Avengers fought some of the evil mutants, mm. and then the X-Men showed up, and it oh, wasn't okay. an X-Men book, but I think he was part of that. Interesting. Um, I just wanted to, to point out that Unice the Untouchable, a very early X-Men villain, is his nameplate is in, above one of the doors. <laughs> um, we also see the dragonfly lady. Then we get this dumb Magneto baby thing that happened in, in Avengers. And that was interesting that the baby... So this is kind of the first time we really realized that... Or maybe they showed it when they turned him into a baby. I haven't actually read that in forever. 
But it's interesting that the baby has gray hair. So that's so it's not just this is kind of where we get the the chance that Magneto doesn't have to be an old man. Yeah, because well, his, his hair is naturally white. Yeah, I was gonna say because it's not gray; right. it's white. Yeah, so he could be old. And he's probably too. definitely older than the X Men, but in the original appearances, he looked like he was ancient. Yeah, well, because he's Professor X's age, I guess theoretically. Right. I, I made a note that uh, Eric the Red and Magneto are a match made in Megalomaniac Heaven. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they pon- posture to each other very well. Yeah, they do. And just declare, they're like, oh, I'm so awesome. I like, as far as I know, Wolverine uh, calls Manino Buckethead. As far <laughs> as I know, it's the first time that's used. Yeah. I'm, I don't I'm, recall the old X-Men ever calling him that. I, don't I thought it was cool that. that Wolverine said it. I also thought it was really cool that... Uh, the first time they fight, the Magneto uses the old trick where he drags Wolverine by his claws. Yeah. Now, we still don't have any indication of metal anywhere else in his body. But, because he says specifically he's, he's using his claws to move him. Yeah. Well, that's true. That's a good point. So, again, I don't, I'm probably going to say this every time, but I, I always enjoy Nightcrawler and Silhouette. Or, there's something about the way Cockrum draws that. Yeah. So, I, I really enjoyed that panel. I like the the panel of Cyclops versus Magneto, like when Cyclops shows up. All right, so I kind of I meant to I didn't mean to gloss over this. So Metagnard sends out a distress call, and that's why the X Men come. Yeah. Did Cyclops get the same distress call, and he shows up and finds Metagnard, or do they show up together? Because she's in the plane, right? She is. Yeah. She's in the Blackbird with Cyclops. Yeah, I think they're. I so think did because she send, did she just know something was wrong and she called all the X Men to meet her there, and if so, how? Did I mean, or did Mate did Madrox originally send the distress call and she just relayed it? Maybe he did because isn't Moira with them in New York? That's what I thought. Yeah, because she had come to help them out. That right. was the whole thing. So I think her and Professor X and Cyclops were all together. So I think it's Madrox that said. Well, I don't know because then Madrox says if you brought the X Men, they're all dead. So I don't. Seems like he wouldn't send out a distress signal. So I don't know. I really liked the back where we are in the story. I thought this part of Magneto encasing Banshee like in a metal coffin out of like just little pieces of metal looked awesome. And I thought it was a very cool use of his power, which I'm pretty sure it's a new use of his power. I thought it was really cool, but I thought, why wouldn't he just do that to everyone? <laughs> right. It seems like that's. But that's that's, cla- that's classic super villain problem, yeah. right? Because that's like you know in the in the early two thousands or late nineties, whenever it was, when they introduced the idea of Magneto being able to control the iron in people's blood. Right, right, right. And it's like he's really completely unstoppable now. Yeah. But he never, hardly ever did that. It's like a, periodically he would do that, but then most of the time he wouldn't. Right. And it's like I don't know this that yeah classic super villain where you you use the real power only occasionally. Right. And then we have this dress magnetic waves thing. That's a weird panel. Oh, yeah, but I thought it looked cool. The ink job on that I thought was really cool. Is it the same panel? No, it's all white in the in the original one. Oh. So oh, it yeah. looks kind of weird. Yeah, okay. Yours is a lot cooler looking. It's than... recolored. Yeah. And it's still not inked. Like, the ink lines are not heavy on it. I thought that, yeah. was, I thought that was cool because it makes my needle look like he's kind of phasing in and out of his power. Yeah. 
I don't really know if it makes sense, but it looks cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It definitely looks cooler than this. Was all, the rings are all white here, which make to me looks weird. Right. But, I mean, it's still okay. So Cyclops and Wolverine yell at each other some more, which... Pretty classic now. I, I've forgotten how prevalent that was yeah. in these early issues. That they're That's really true. They're at each other's throat all the time. Yeah, yeah they're always yelling. And so we have a mysterious uh, door for Mutant X. Uh, we see them run by the dragonfly lady from Count Nefaria. Yeah. So I thought that was cool. <laughs> like how Wolverine's like, Wolverine's no coward. <laughs> he really is offended that they're running away. Right. Regardless of the reason. Yeah, they don't they don't like that at all. Right. And Magneto, I it's weird to me that he doesn't pursue them. He's just like, Oh, they've gone. Well, I guess I won. Right. I have Magneto. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah. And then again, Eric the Red having employers are outside Jean Gray's apartment. <laughs> just want to leave you on that note. He was and on that did I miss note. anything you wanted to talk about on that one? No, that's good. We got everything. Okay. I thought that was another fantastic issue. I, I just I thought it was a really strong issue. I thought the art was exceptional again. I agree. Um, I thought the story was pretty good. I'm going to give this one another three out of three claws. Me too. All right. Me too. I think even, even more than the one before because yeah. it didn't have the two points that I really didn't like. Overall, I, I liked most everything. Most everything about this one. Art strong again, everything. Yeah, just another good quality issue. Yeah, I agree. So we both give X-Men 104 three out of three claws. Take it away. All right, so X-Men 105. Chris Claremont, author Dave Cockrum, Bob Layton. This just has a list of people, so I'm just going to list it. Chris Claremont, Dave Cockrum, Bob Layton, Tom Ortz. Andy Yanching. Or Yanches. Did Bob Layton... Doesn't say what he did? No, it doesn't say. But I assume Bob okay. Layton would be penciling Tom yeah. Hortz. Okay, so maybe these extra pages I should have read. Because I have a Bob Layton penciling a couple of pages oh, okay. in here. And then Andy Yanches is the colorist. I also have him inking the whole thing. Okay. And just FYI. <laughs> Interesting. Okay. All right, so Phoenix Unleashed. <clears throat> All right. So we pick up the X Men. Well, what's, what's the cover look like? What oh yeah, cover. cover. So the cover. This is a pretty good cover, I think. Phoenix in the middle fighting in the Dark Phoenix outfit with this weird Fire it's Lord character. We'll get outfit. to it in a it's second. Just a regular Phoenix outfit. Okay. Yeah. I just I could think of it all as the Dark Phoenix with the green, <laughs> turns the green and black and all that. But the but the Dark Phoenix is red and orangish. Uh, that's true. All right, so just regular Phoenix outfit. I mean, I don't know. I've never heard of the Dark Phoenix. <laughs> what is the Dark Phoenix? So Jean Grey, lots of hair, and then everyone else is knocked Her out. Hair is nuts. Yeah, it's a pretty good cover. It's not fantastic, but it's pretty good. What do you think? Ah. Uh, I didn't like it that much, to be honest. I thought their hair's he has so much hair. Yeah, I was gonna say it's so much hair. It's very it's a huge amount of hair. And I I don't like Fire Lord. I might as well just get that out of the way. He's just, pretty I, stupid. I don't like him. <laughs> He's but, um, pretty dumb. But the kind of destroyed X Men looks kinda of cool, I guess. Yeah, kind of so, lumped over Nightcrawler, yeah. collapsed Colossus. So 
Covers are. It's okay. It's an Swooning okay cover. storm. Get some alliteration going. Yeah. <laughs> Knocked over Nightcrawler. <laughs> wow. All right. All right. So we open up in the basically the, the airfield where they land their black the Blackbird. The X-Men land. They're straight back from their battle with Magneto where they ran away. They arrive in the hangar and Eric the Red is there. What? Hanging out. How? I don't know. I thought he was standing outside Jean Grey's apartment window. <laughs> well, about, I guess about to attack Professor X. From the time it took for them to get on the plane, <laughs> he left the house and came to the hangar. Why? To meet the X-Men. <laughs> <laughs> I really want he to knew. take out Professor X. <laughs> but there's no X-Men here to fight with. I'm going to wait till they show up because <laughs> I don't want to do this the easy way. That's a strange, odd con- continuity there. Yes, very. I'm very much a mistake. I'm gonna just say. Probably so. So Eric the Red's there. They immediately start fighting. So we have this big fight, and Eric the Red starts getting his butt kicked. But then we have this Fire Lord guy show up, who is apparently Galactus's former herald. Yeah. Which isn't Silver Surfer also Galactus's he, former herald? The, yes. Yeah. So, whatever but, this but, means. You know, but. his heralds keep turning into heroes, so he has to find new ones. Yeah, I guess so. So, Fire Lord is weird, and he has a, a stick that fires fire <laughs> from either end. Sounds like he had bad Tex-Mex. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Shoot fire from both ends. Yeah. So, I don't know what he's going on. It's, it's a, and he speaks really loudly. The, the, <laughs> he yells. Make it look like he's yelling the whole time. Yeah. So he shows up and fights the X-Men and rescues Eric the Red. And then we and then he attacks Havoc and Polaris, which I want to we'll talk a little bit. We'll come back to that a little bit more because I'm kind of confused. The, the Polaris and Havoc thing confused me. Well, that's a, a flashback, bit. isn't it? I don't think so. Yeah, it is. He's talking about why because Eric the Red talks about how he duped him and then he tells how. And he at, he made it look like Havoc and Polaris were attacking him because he saw see. Fire Lord flying by. And he's like, oh, and Fire Lord's a hero. So he sees these guys. <laughs> I don't know why he assumes Eric the Red is innocent. But he asks what's going on, and Havoc and Polaris just automatically attack him, and so they start fighting. All right. And then Eric the Red explains, these are the X-Men. They're trying to take over the world. They're evil. Help, okay. me, help me save the universe. So that's why Fire Lord then fights the X-Men right. before. So this sets up why he fights well, the X-Men and saves Re- Eric the Red. Yes, because he was already he because already previously. Okay, yeah. I guess I missed that it was a flashback. So previously. So then what happens to Havoc and Polaris? Are they still Eric the Red's under I'm his... Ass- I'm assuming maybe they just they're disappear. still outside the apartment. I guess so. <laughs> They just kind of Eric the Red's like, wait here. I got to go find the X-Men. Havoc's like, why do we want the X-Men here? Yeah. It's like, mind your place, boy. <laughs> Very strange. And so, okay. they, so they make out in the bushes outside Jean Grey's window. That's true. Yeah. Well, there they go back to school. They probably had some studying to do. <laughs> right. They are working on a PhD. True. That usually requires a lot of time. So. Right. There's not a lot of henchman time when you're uh, trying to get a PhD. Yeah. Anyway, so. All right, so. So then that we flash to the space. Do we go to space? We go to space. And we get the introduction of what will eventually be the Shi'ar Empire. Right. Which is a, 
interesting combination of Star Trek, Star Wars, and <laughs> Buck Rogers. They just kind of mushed yeah, all those together. Yeah. There's a very, very heavy uh, borrowing of material in yeah. this issue. I think especially Star Trek. Yeah, no, very much Star very Trek. Much there's a lot of Star Wars, that. too. But I actually made a list of all the references, so we'll get to oh, that. We'll come back to that. Yeah. Good. So anyway, so it opens up, and we have this spaceship where they're on their way to, to Earth, basically. Or well, we'll find out they're on their way to yeah, Earth. Yeah, they're following the princess. They're following the princess. And then... We jump to Professor X and uh, Joker Jean Grey. <laughs> I say Joker because her mouth is really, oh really big smile. She's in this smiling so big. With uh, her parents and her roommate, Misty. Misty? Yeah, yeah Misty right. Knight. Yeah. Misty Knight, that's right. They're having a nice dinner. Which, I, which is funny. Um, I mentioned this in the last issue. Because Claremont, at this point, is also riding Iron Fist. And she's a supporting character in that book. So oh, this is a way for him to like cross his universes or his, by bringing Jean Grey and Missy Knight together as roommates, yeah. it's kind of a way for him to, to connect his dots, I guess. Interesting. So. Well, so they're having a nice dinner and then portal opens up in the living room. <laughs> I hate when that happens. <laughs> I do too, man. Party. Right. And coffee and scone time. And then out of the out of the portal comes Princess Naramani, Nami, as we know later, Lalandra. Right. Naramani, am I saying that right? Naramani, I think. Naramani. Yeah. Um, and Professor X, when he sees her come through the portal, she's in this armor. It turns out it's the image he's been seeing in his dreams. Right. We remember issues before where he kept having all these space dreams. Right. And she comes out and says something in a bunch of jarbled language, which. Obviously, regular language for her. But Hebrew. It is kind of Hebraic. Yeah. Or like a cross between Hebrew, Hebrew and, and Korean or something. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. A little Asian influence, too. So this anyway. definitely looks Eastern. Well, I guess that's the best way to say it. Yeah. Just Eastern. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's vague this up a little bit more. <laughs> It seems like some kind of language. I think she's saying something. <laughs> so somehow, even though her, her uh, alien language is out there, Professor X knows that her name is Lalandra. Right. I'm not quite sure how. I guess from the dreams, maybe. Yeah, or maybe he reads her mind. Or he reads her mind. But yeah, so he yells, Lalandra! And then she tells them basically the story briefly, or starts to tell them a story. And then Fire Lord busts in through the living room, blows a hole in the door. Everything's on fire suddenly. Poor Jean Grey's parents. Right. Or I guess that's, that's Jean Grey's apartment, isn't it? Jean yes. Grey and Misty. So. Yeah, it's her apartment. So then she says how that guy made a big mistake because she is Phoenix. And then she turns into the full Phoenix suit. Yeah. Which I guess she was wearing under her regular right. no, clothes. No, I think she actually has she morphs part into of the that, Phoenix power. She can just kind of oh, yeah, I think you're right. call her costume. So, she turns into that, which, you know, side question, if she's back on her feet from the hospital and all in full Phoenix mode, why isn't she helping the X-Men? I know she left the X-Men, but it seems like they're fighting some pretty intense battles. She should have at least gone to Muir Island. For her to just be, yeah, for her to just be apartment hunting. I mean, because... And you know she's better, not just because you've seen her better, but Cyclops refused to leave before she got better. Right. So the fact that he went to Moore Island with Dr. Mentaggart 
She's, she was at least a little bit better before. Yeah, you have to assume that she's back on her feet. And then here, she turns into full Phoenix. Right. And then beats up Fire Lord, who had just beat up all the X-Men. Right. So she's pretty strong. So she's powerful. We're setting that up right now, which we already set that up, but set it up a little more. I mean, they already set it up. So they fight for a few minutes in the middle of the city. Some cars blow up. Lots of excitement. Eric the Red sees what's happening. Lalandra's there with Professor X. So while that's playing out, uh, Eric the Red shows up. Misty has a gun all of a sudden, which I thought was pretty funny. She well, pulls a gun out of her purse. She's in private eye, so that makes sense. Yeah, I guess that makes sense. I still thought it was funny. Yeah. She pulls out her pistol to take on Eric the Red. <laughs> so Eric the Red sneaks up behind, whose name we now find out is also Shikari, and that he is someone who's been banished. Yeah. Now, was he banished or was she banished? She was banished, and he was like, I guess, formerly banished. Formerly that, banished. He sto- gets enlisted by his her story gets muddied. Yeah, it gets yeah. kind of weird. But apparently, he's a super secret agent guy, or right. some kind of secret service character, or something. So he he's there to get Professor X and or Lalandra. Misty pulls out her gun, doesn't work. More fighting. The X Men show up just in the nick of time, and then they're. Their little hovercraft they're in blows up, and Nightcrawler goes, oh, no, not again. <laughs> There's your reference back to the hovercraft gag from earlier. Right. That everything they have crashes. So so then they start fighting with Jean Grey. In the midst of all this, Nightcrawler jumps ahead. They're on their way to the battle. To, well, well, Red had built a Stargate on the roof. Yes, so they Pretty. get to the roof where there's a Stargate. And Eric the Red is taking Lalandra through the Stargate. Nightcrawler tries to jump through, but doesn't get it in time. And then Professor X panics, which is <laughs> yeah, kind of funny. It's like he just turns he into a full-on little baby. Right. World's over. Let's just throw in the towel and let the planet blow up. Right. Panic, which is yeah. really kind of funny for Professor X, I think. And then Jean Grey says, that's cool, basically. That's <laughs> cool. Which is just calm down, <laughs> calm down, Professor. Things aren't that bad. <laughs> this is pretty funny. So she's able to open the portal. Although I don't know how in the world she knows how to use the Phoenix power to open a portal to get to wherever they went. I'm assuming the Phoenix is helping her. But at this somehow, point. yeah, somehow there's some connection. So she's able to open this portal, and then all the X-Men jump through. Yes. So they do. And then after they all get through, Fire Lord then shows up. I don't know where he was. For <laughs> well, he was licking his wounds. I guess he was. He yeah. shows up and then demands that Professor X tell him where the Phoenix went. And Professor X says she's where you can't get to her. And then the Fire Lord says he's going to destroy the Earth. And Professor X says, go ahead. <laughs> you can destroy the Earth. But if the X-Men fail, tomorrow the universe will die. Yes. Well, I'm glad we're back to melodramatic. Off, yeah, very melodramatic. Very interesting. In this the is very giant size. Misty's just hanging out. Yeah, she's just she rocking she's her about afro. To Professor X's head. <clears throat> she does kind of look like that. Or scratch it, one or the other. Yeah. So, hey, well, first things first. Let's talk about uh, Star Wars and Star Trek. Okay. All right. So, Star Wars. We have a menacing empire chasing a rebel princess. 
very much like the opening scene of episode four. Exactly. We have this great rebellion that's being led against the Empire mm-hmm. and against the Imperial fleet. Those are really the only like, specific Star Wars. There's kind of a Star Wars feel to the whole story, especially in the coming issues. Yeah. But those are like the only like great parallels. Yeah. Um, okay, Star Trek. And this one may very heavy w- on Star Trek. Yeah, very very Star Trek. Chris Claremont was definitely watching Star Trek when he wrote all yeah. this. So we have a ship's log with an imperial date. Yeah. And that may be more generic. That may just be kind of a I don't taking know. a military application and applying it to space. But I think it's just. I mean, that it's is definitely Star, Star Trek. Star like, Trek at least is famous for that. Yes. When you hear someone thinking of a captain's log, it's Star Trek. Right. Yeah. The Star Trek, or not the Star Trek, the Shi'ar captain calls one of his guys Mr. Shalar, yeah. which I thought of Mr. Scotty. Or, no, yeah. no, that's Dr. Scotty. Who was the Mr. Was it Mr. Chekhov? I don't know. I that's, forgot. My Star Trek cred just went out the window. Yeah. But, um, okay. But also the Shi'ar have. Mr. Sulu? No, he just calls yeah, Sulu. Yeah, Mr. Sulu. Sulu. Yeah. Is it Mr. Sulu? Yeah. Okay, that one. All right. Cats. <laughs> that's um, a that's a random reference to right. uh also the uh yeah. the Shi'ar on the ship all have colored uniforms. Yeah. And the colors seem to match the rank. I don't think the red shirts are the same as the red shirts in Star Trek. I think they are because not it's just the just cannon fodder, I don't think. No, but but in the in the uh in the the ship there it's the the, the red ones that are rank. the drivers. Yeah, yeah. And you have the, in the Shi'ar case, you have the large busted lady to the side, which reminds you of uh, the uh, with the, the female. The, yeah. I can't think of her name. But I can't either. My Star Trek cred's not very good either. I'm, but I'm definitely more of a Star Wars guy. I am. I am as well. And they have the little insignia on the chest. Yeah. The uniform yeah. very much Uniform's like very, like, just switch the faces around. Yeah. And... Yeah, Star Trek on the bridge there. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing you have, specifically photon torpedoes. Yeah. Which I guess that would be both. Because Star Wars, the X-Wing shoot photon torpedoes. Too. Yeah. So um, they even actually mention that the transporter effect is a Star Trek transporter effect. Like yeah. Jean Grey's mom says that, I think. But Lylandra beams off of her ship. She beams down. Yeah. So that's very Star Trek. And I don't know if it's a specific reference, but I thought the next, where no X-Men has gone before, was just very Star Trek, Star Wars, and feel. Yeah, it um, was. Kind of the final frontier kind of thing. Okay, so... <laughs> and there's a praying are... mantis as well. That's not really Star Trek or Star Wars, but... No, but one of the guys is a praying mantis. And it's interesting that because if you had that guy now, he would have short sleeves and then praying mantis arms. Yeah. But the Shi'ar actually made a uniform that took all the nooks and crannies <laughs> down his whole arm. Well, because they're gloves, the whole uniform's got gloves yeah. on it. So yeah, that's I gotta say, funny. as far as Cochrane's design goes, besides the weird '70s feathered hair, I kind of like the girl with like the white face and the purple butterfly tattoos around her eyes. Yeah. You got the reminds me of, guy. I don't know if you remember when Psylocke first shows up, her telepathic or tele yeah, telepathic powers make like a Yeah, that's right. Butterfly thing around her eyes. That's true. 
before she. At the ship, I thought was too buggish for me. It looked too much yeah, like an insect. It's kind of dumb looking, but um, I think his way of trying to separate and do something new. Yeah. Um. So, <laughs> so uh, I don't know what page is on for you. And we get a nice dumb pun where where uh, Eric the Red says, "Stop! I beg you! I come in peace." And Wolverine says, "Fine by me, bub. You're going in pieces." <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty good. A classic peace slash pieces pun. Um, Firestar looks like it. Not a. You know, I said that we said that Sunfire looked like Merman from He-Man. Yeah. I don't think Firestorm looks like a specific He-Man character, but he looks like he should be in He-Man, I yeah. think. I, and just I, the I way the that. colors bleed down and his color scheme, I just I would expect him to be a He-Man action figure. Yeah, I. this may be controversial in the comic world, but to me, he looks like a DC character. Yeah, he does, but the Cockrum, I don't know if Cockrum designed him or not. I'm assuming he's been in other comics before. Talking with all the Galactus stuff, I'm assuming yeah. he's probably been in Fantastic Four. I know Cockrum did a lot of character designs even for other books, not just yeah. X-Men, so I don't know if he designed Firewood or not. But do you know he also did a lot of des- character design for DC? Interesting. So you have a lot of similarities in his characters. You know, I talked about the belt sash yeah. on his female characters. is very cross-universe. He did a lot of that for DC and Marvel. Um, Interesting. But yes, he does. He looks very like Legion of Superheroes. Yeah. Well, and they have that guy that put the hair on fire too. So yeah. That Tom was like, what's that guy Cosmo or something? Yeah. Anyway, I thought it was curious. Uh, all right, anything you want to talk about before we introduce the Shi'ar? No. No, okay. I think we're yeah. That, yeah, we covered most of that in your summary. Pretty much that Fire Lord is dumb. Yeah, Fire Lord That's is pretty dumb. much the gist of that. <laughs> I think he was fairly... Either he was fairly popular or they wanted him to be and that's why he's in the X-Men. I'm not sure. Maybe. Um, I'd never... This is the only thing I've ever heard of. Yeah, him. I don't remember. So I think they must have tried... They Maybe they were trying to push him and then gave up. Right. Because I don't... So I thought it was interesting the category the Shi'ar have for the planet. It's a class M world. I'm wondering... And that's just, if, if Claremont just picked a random letter, like, all the planets have classes and they're by the alphabet, let's, let's make Earth M. Or, if it's a reference to Earth having mutations. Interesting. I, like, I don't know, like, to me, I'm going to pretend that it is because I think that's really cool. Yeah, that is I don't know cool. if Claremont meant for that or not. But I thought it was really interesting that, that yeah. Earth has mutants and it's a class M world. I also thought it was funny. They talk about how the Earth has done all this stuff. It's this galactic crossroads. And they're like, and they've repelled Galactus four times. And the Shi'ar commander's like, what? And just goes nuts. Like, oh my gosh, what have we gotten into? And not only that, they decide to pull back. Yeah. And they're gung-ho following the princess. They're like, oh, well, back off, shoot some torpedoes. Let's not mess with Earth just yet. <laughs> yeah. that, I don't think they, they actually don't ever come to Earth. No, they turn so they, around. They, they turn around and go back home. They, they blow up the ship as Lelandra teleports at the last second. Yeah. So as far as they know, they either blew up the ship or they're just going to trust Eric the Red. 
So I also made a comment about Jean Grey being a Jokerified, so that's funny. We made that's the, funny, yeah. The same comment. I I kind of like the Shiar language. I made a note of that. I thought it was kind of cool. Yeah, it's cool. But, you know, it looks very ancient, and for a race that's been around or an empire that's yeah. been around a long time. I feel so like the hair cool. is very Egyptian. Yes. Yeah, I don't know is. that it actually is Egyptian, but it no, makes but it me has think. That feel. Yeah, it yeah. kind of looks like that. The head, I guess, it looks like the he- Egyptian headdress, the Pharaoh headdress. But I think it's kind of cool. It's kind of right. a cool look. So I thought we're kind of back to inconsistent Cockrum art in this issue. Yeah, I agree. there are panels that are really cool and panels that aren't at all. One of my biggest complaints is, for whatever reason, in this issue, Cockrum's interpretation in Jean Grey's figure is all over the map. Yeah. Like, and I don't, I don't care. I'm not one of those guys that feel like all my super heroines have to be like hot and curvy. Right. But it's like, sometimes she is, and sometimes she's a little girthier. <laughs> yeah. And this page, when she turns into Phoenix, first of all, just to show some of the inconsistency, the panel where she gets mad at Fire Lord looks awesome. I, I disagree. Yeah, okay. I think she looks really... I think, I think really, she looks like a man. Okay. I think angry acting aside, which I always love to throw an angry acting reference out. <laughs> angry but I, acting. I, thought, I thought it was a, a really cool. I thought her fingernails, her fingers look cool. Um, her hair, whatever. But <laughs> besides the fact that her vagina is talking in the next issue... It does look like that. Her pubic region is huge. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. I I thought about that when I when I read this. Yeah, just that it's. it's I like her a, legs are so far apart. Yeah, it's, it's really bizarre that they decided that, that for whatever reason he felt like he needed to really, really emphasize right. that yeah. there is a pubic region here. It's like we're <laughs> right. not. We don't want anybody to think that. Well, and the lying down in uniform doesn't help. Right. And the little crease down the side of the uniform. It like she has pretty intense camel toe. Yes, it does. I wrote camel toe. <laughs> I wrote giant camel toe. Yeah. Well, it's, it's, just, just huge. it's just weird how, I don't know. But, uh, then when she's in the dress. I don't want to sound sexist pages, about it, but it's no, just. No, I don't want to either. It's just weird. But she kind of has like a drawn. nice figure at some places. Yeah. And then at some places, like when she's flying in the next page, she looks very kind of frumpy, I think. Yeah. Like I said, I don't care which one she is. Right. It's just weird how inconsistent it is. Well, and 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 when it's and when it looks weird, it's not like right. Like in like in the case of the I am Phoenix one, it's like he he wanted her to be spread eagle, but he didn't know what to do right art wise. So he just drew this bizarre divot that looks like she has a bulge right, which then adds to the previous panel where I think she looks like a man. So I think she has the Phoenix transforms her into a transsexual suddenly. Yeah. And then it's like, okay, well, I don't know, but it's weird. I think, and I don't know what, how intentional this is. I thought it was cool. The way the shadow is on Jean Grey's face when she flies after Fire Lord is yeah. very uh, foreshadowing of Dark Phoenix. I thought. Uh, yeah, I would agree with that too. I also thought it was very meta that we have Dave Cockrum and Chris Claremont in the issue. Yeah. I thought the, the really meta part was that, because basically we have Claremont sitting down, it looks like they're working on a comic book. Right. He's explaining this scene he wants Cockrum to draw. 
and the scene they're trying to draw gets acted out in front of them. <laughs> right, he's talking about, anyway, Dave, he hits the ground with this incredible sound effect, and we see Fire Lord hit this structure and bounce to the ground. Right. And so that was really funny. I also thought it was funny, the giant 70s Grizzly Adams hair and beard that they both have. <laughs> right. You know they were rocking those beards back then. Right. So, anyway, I thought it was cool also, the little silhouette of Phoenix getting blasted by Fire Lord. Yeah, it was kind of the good energy one. crackling around her. With Cyclops and Wolverine arguing yet again. And Cyclops finally says, get off my back, Wolverine! Now that was cool. <laughs> More Wolverine and Cyclops fighting. Right. And in, but in that case, it's Wolverine backseat driving, which yes. is funny. <laughs> but you know he would. Oh, yeah. Especially you know with would. Cyclops. Oh, yeah. Now, right, here's another really weird panel of Jean, right, where she has really, like, oh, she almost looks like early stages of pregnancy. Yeah. Like, I mean, she just, her hips are, like, abnormally wide compared to her shirt. Well, she's flying. Yeah, and then, but then three panels back, she's super thin. Yeah. Where she's yeah. blasting Where she's shooting. And that's a great is, panel, not it just is because a great she's panel, thin, but, but she's, yeah. Just We're overall. not being sexist. It's right. just a cool panel. Yeah, there's no, no misogyny and you see, here. you see the Phoenix fire behind her. I really like when they I do like, that. I did, too. I like that a lot. But yeah, in this yeah, one, it's like she super, got spread it out. She's super curvy in that like issue. Like she got squished right. sexy. and spread out. Yeah. So like I said, I don't it's care which art. one she is. Just do it the same. Yeah, this is inconsistent. Cocker's just... He's had three really good issues in a row, and this one, is, he's all over the map, I think. And the hair. There's so much hair. Why so much hair? Well, because she's phoenix fine. Yeah. But still. I like how Wolverine's worried he's going to miss all the action. Yeah. And then I thought I like the uh, the Nightcrawler like multi figure yeah. showing his action. I, think I thought we talked that about was that cool. last time. Yeah, I think we have too. liking that too. So then we get lots of melodrama. Jean's parents find out she's a mutant for the first time. I guess. I guess so, but I'd... it's interesting that they don't really make that quite clear. Right, whether they're bothered by her being a mutant or bothered by her being so powerful all of a sudden. Right, or just bothered by all this crazy stuff. Are they by her powers or the change in her powers? Right. That's what I'm not sure of. Yeah, that's interesting. And and it's interesting interesting that they don't really do anything. They don't really tell you. They just kind of leave the parents angry and frightened. And she's like, I don't have time to explain. I got to get out of here. (laughs) Got to go. We got to go through. And we get another, when she opens the Stargate, another Phoenix behind her. That's cool. Phoenix behind her. Professor X's head looks really weird. It looks weird. He looks he's like talking a to Golem. And, and Colossus is rubbing his chin. Yeah. Like, hmm, should we go through this Stargate or stay here? I don't know. That's an interesting panel, too, because in, besides Professor X looking like Gollum, but... <laughs> he doesn't like Gollum. <laughs> the, uh, the, the way they say this and how it's... Um, who is it? Oh, Cyclops. Who makes the statement... Jean used to be the weakest I, X-Man. I was going to point that out. Now she powers up an interstellar transporter without batting an eyelash. Right. And it, it's interesting that they, which everyone knew she was the weakest X-Man. Well, and we talked about the that. Days, yeah. Right. We talked about that in the how, 60s about her always fainting, right. and never knowing what's going on and, and how you have this I influx of. I wonder if, if Chris Claremont is drawing attention to, see, look how I'm empowering my female character. Or if he's, see, I don't know. Like, how, I would be surprised because I mean, I, I feel like he's made a decision 
to badassify oh, yeah, his definitely. female characters. And it's a cool right? decision. The introduction yeah. of Storm. Yeah. Lorna Dane becoming more powerful. You know, all these characters right. are doing... They and, all step up. And giving her the Phoenix makes her a major character and a powerful character. And it, so it's it's an interesting moment where it's... And it's also interesting that it's it's Cyclops. It's her boyfriend. Right. That references this. You know, right. this that she used to be we, the weakest. She was the, the, the helpless one. Well, yeah. I mean, helpless is over. They really, but, they really play that up as like, oh, can I even be with someone this powerful now? Right. Which just makes him sound slightly misogynistic, I think. Right. But, he has that whole... Uh, I think he was just trying to play off of the inherent insecurity that Cyclops has. Right. But it kind of comes off as like, can, well, I, date, fits, can I date a stronger woman? Well, it fits well. I think it, that fits really well in the late 70s, 80s, yeah, even yeah. early 90s. Well, it's it's the, a good social question, I think. Yeah, you know. I think so. But yeah, you know, as, as women... As we get into the 70s and 80s, women get jobs and right. I mean, they get you know more powerful CEOs and you have that whole that, that whole thing where many men still feel like they should be the breadwinners, right. but it's just not always the case anymore. So it's yeah. like, well, I guess you, you got to struggle with that, I guess. And Scott's struggling with this issue of power. So anyway, I just thought it was a weird, it was an interesting moment where they point that out and right. bring attention to the fact that she was super weak and now she's super powerful. Right. But it's not like she was that weak. I mean, she had telekinesis. Well, but he's been bringing her along the whole time. Yeah. I feel like Claremont has. But yeah, the Phoenix is definitely, I mean, it's almost, we're, we're approaching to where she's almost godlike. And we, right. I think we get there pretty quick. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it, it escal- All this escalates pretty fast. Okay. Well, like I said, I thought the art was okay. Yeah. There were really good miss. panels, really bad panels. I um, thought the story was kind of the same. <laughs> <laughs> yeah kind of okay um you know we talked about before we, we've kind of historically both had a distaste for the shiar yeah i didn't hate them as much as i remembered in this issue uh now we haven't got to the whole story yet so i'm, I'm reserving yeah. my whole opinion about them overall but in this issue star trek and star wars references aside you know it's, it's not a bad story i yeah I did not think the ex- the execution of the story was all that great. Yeah. The actual details. The fighting wasn't as much fun as it's been the last few issues. Um, Firewood, I just, I hate Fireward. Yeah. Um, I think he's a stupid character. Um, he looks, I Eric don't like him. Red his, is also his, kind of stupid. Yeah, Eric, okay. Well, and all right, so now we're going to get to some continuity griping. <laughs> okay. So if Eric the Red is a Shi'ar agent that's been here this whole time, then how in the hell did Scott, in the first time Eric the Red came around, when, when Cyclops uses that armor to infiltrate Magneto's team? Yeah. Where did he get that armor? <laughs> did he invent it himself and just coincidentally invented Shi'ar armor? Yeah, that's or a good question. Or did he qu- find it and Eric the Red got it back? I mean, of all the little backup stories they've been telling in these issues of Classic... That's one that seems like they should have told, especially if the story is the Cyclops like found it somewhere. Eric the Red had to like rediscover it somewhere. Yeah. Like, tell me that story in the backup issues. We're going to retcon something. Do that. Unless they're saying that Eric the Red, that this whole, that he just took what Cyclops had done. So, so he just had regular like Shi'ar. Or that he just had a different outfit and that, that he, this is part of his thing was he used the character Scott created 
Okay. But how would he know that? I don't know. That, right. that I mean, that doesn't make sense. That much. That doesn't make much sense either. But yeah, I, I, it really it really confuses me as far as using the original Eric the Red concept. I have no problem with Chris Claremont adjusting the character. Yeah. Like that part doesn't doesn't throw me. No, it's, and that's kind of cool that it's like actually it's, there's more to this guy. Right. Yeah. And that he's part of this whole Shi'ar thing, but yeah, that but doesn't with, really make with any sense. With the Cyclops having the, the armor before, I don't, I just, I'm not sure how the dots connect. And I don't think they ever really address that because I don't think Eric the Red is around much longer. Yeah, I, I don't, he, I don't think so either. He comes back way later in X Factor, I think, but yeah, I think even in the Shi'ar stories, he kind of gets left behind pretty quick. Yeah, I think so too. Um, so yeah, I like the idea of like this master plan we're building towards, but this issue just didn't yeah. do a very good job of telling it. Like, there's there's a good story in here. I don't know if we got it. <laughs> yeah, that's a good way to put it. That said, I gave this issue two out of three claws, but it was a pretty soft two. Yeah. So what, what'd you give it? Do we do zeros? We can do zeros if do you zeros. hate it. Yeah, I'm not gonna give this one a zero, but I'm just okay. on scale wise. Yeah, no, because I was debating be between no I was debating between one or one or two. I think I'm still gonna go with two. Okay. Because there, there's there are a couple of great panels. Yeah, and and the potential I think is there. The right. idea, and like you said, the Shi'ar stuff. I've never been a big fan of Shi'ar stuff. The way if you know if I was, you know, 1977. We've just seen Star Wars. Just seen Star Wars. Star, Star Trek is in pretty heavy syndication at this point, I believe. I could see, if I'd read this at the time, I would have been interested. Intrigued with, what is this empire going to do? You know, where is this going to come? Right. How is this going to work? Um, and, and it, again, I, like you said, it's not well executed. Right. Because it kind of bungles the story a little bit. The Fire Lord stuff messes it up. because it, Yeah, it's kind of pointless. It, yeah, and that, that's also part of it. Aside from the fact that I don't like Fire Lord, that's one thing. But the fact that it, it doesn't really seem to matter that he's part of this story. Right. Like, it's a completely irrelevant thing I, that fire, Eric, the, Eric the Red tricks him into helping right. him fight. It's like, I don't. what was the point of that? Well, Marvel has a uh, legacy of having guest appearances used to promote other books. But yeah. I don't think he's doing enough to... Like I don't think I this is a think promotional. So. Uh, does he even have his own comic? I don't think so. I don't think so. Yeah, it, it was. I thought that was weird because it. Yeah, it's not like they're. I mean, he's not doing any. He's not like oh, and then follow this comic for his adventures. Right. They don't do right. that, and he doesn't do anything, and he doesn't come back in the next couple of issues. So it's yeah. like, what was the point of that other than just to have a stupid firing guy, fire guy? <laughs> no, we do get a firework copycat. I thought that was funny. That is funny. Yeah. So I don't know. I. I'll, I'll stick with two, but okay. again, like, like you said, it's a soft two. Cause, but there, I think there's enough stuff there that, that it is interesting. And the, the Empire thing, the Rebel, that uh, it's interesting. Yeah. It's, we'll see where it goes. All right. So we both give X-Men 105 two out of three claws. Okay, and next we have X-Men 106. I just want to take a quick uh, side note. Cameron, if your mom would have had you and gone right to the comic shop. This is theoretically the issue that would have been on the shelf. That's true. I'm sorry. <laughs> that is the, uh, yeah, that's the best thing about this issue. <laughs> All right. Um, so this is 
the dark shroud of the past. It is written by Chris Claremont and somebody met. Well, I forget his name. <laughs> Brown, Cockrum, Sutton, Rosen, Yonkis, and Goodwin also produced the comic book. I'm not sure who Brown is or what he did. Uh, Cockrum obviously did at least most of the pencils, yeah. if not all. Rosen, I know, is a letterer. So I don't know about Sutton, Yonkis, and Goodwin. Well, y- Yank. Yankus, last Yankus time. has been the colorist in okay. several of these, the last right. three or four, I think. Okay. All right, so we start I off think it's Andy, where we left off, and then we quickly leave it and go somewhere else. <laughs> but worse, Fire Lord looks far worse in this first panel, I think. Yes, I agree. He looks ridiculous. It, but this is Cochrane, right? At least most of it, yeah. But otherwise, the Professor X and the Misty look really cool. Yeah. But then the Fire Lord looks really bad. Right. Even worse. It's like Ghost Rider, like where his head is just on fire, like the Ghost Rider Yes, character. it does. All right, so sidebar, this issue, this whole issue is a sidebar. Yeah. Now let's just get that out of the way. In fact, it's so much of a sidebar, it doesn't even get reprinted in Classic X-Men. They skip <laughs> it. They, they, they skip it. Yeah. Right. So, well, I was completely confused because I didn't catch that it was a sidebar right. <laughs> until about halfway through. And I yeah, was like, what's yeah. going on? All right, let's talk about the cover. I actually really like this cover. We have Angel in a very menacing shadow lifting Cyclops' visor off against his will. And Cyclops shooting Colossus with Storm and Nightcrawler behind him. We get lots of really good action lines fading from pink to orange to red. I, I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, I agree. It's, it's a good cover. I think it's, yeah, I think it's a really good cover, actually. It's interesting, and it's intriguing. It's like, Angel, what's he doing there? Right, exactly. And how does this tie into this space empire story we have? Well, it doesn't, really. <laughs> it doesn't at all. <laughs> not not in the least. So, while Firestar is standing around deciding what he's going to do, Professor X loses his mind. And to this day, I'm still not clear. He either has a flashback or a dream. Yeah, it's not clear. But basically, the X-Men are in the danger room. They're training. And they're arguing with each other. And the old X-Men show up. And they want the X-Men back. Because these new X-Men are doing a piss-poor job. They're bickering and losing missions and getting beat and just not being cool. <laughs> And the old X-Men want their job back. And they're really jerks about it, too. Yeah, they are. Super obnoxious. So out, of, all out of character. Fight. Yeah, I would say so. So they all fight, and then it turns out they're not real. Professor X makes them disappear. But then an evil Professor X shows up, and they fight, argue and fight a little bit. But then Professor X brings back his old imaginary X-Men to uh, beat up the evil X. And it turns out that all this was just... Uh, manifestation of Professor X's dark side, the evil professor who refers to him as his Mr. Hyde. And, but now he's okay. But are the X-Men? Dun, dun, dun. And that's pretty much it. Yeah. So it's kind of disappointing that we get Wolverine's Wolvie nickname for the first time. It's in self-reference. Yeah. Kind of bummed out about that. I was hoping Nightcrawler and Colossus would say it first. Yeah. I would, yeah, that's... It's weird when you get... Like, the third person thing, it's a comic book thing. I don't like it, but I'm kind of used to it. 
It also seems weird that he would call himself Wolvie. Yeah, it's it's weird to give yourself a term of endearment. Yeah, (laughs) a nickname like that. Right. But then we get this awesome panel where Colossus breaks a steel beam with his ass. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) He just booty bumps that steel beam in half. Yeah, because he's got some junk in his truck. I do like... Let's see, for me, it's page six. Oh, for you, it should be the same. I'm on the original issue. I like Wolverine's portrayal in this. I think it looks pretty cool. Um, the fins are a little bit different. They're almost more menacing. Yeah. Not so flat looking. They're a little a little Batman-ish. A little Batman-ish and a little... It's kind of the first really long... Yeah, fins. but I like it. It's I, not, I just, I just bad, like but... that they don't look really 2D and flat. Yeah. Like, up to now, I've enjoyed Cochran's Wolverine, but it's been very, like... I hear yeah. these fins just sticking on the front of his head where these actually look like they kind of wrap around yeah. a little bit. So we get some more Wolverine yelling at Cyclops. That part's great. Oh, interesting that, that Wolverine confesses that the Mad Killer Act ain't no act. So, <laughs> I also think it's cool that, that Wolverine stands up. Then we also get a very early indication because... Uh, <laughs> Wolverine says, if you don't like how this is going, why don't you quit, Cyclops? And Storm tells her, well, no, you follow orders. If you don't like that, you should be the one that quits. <laughs> we just get a lot of bickering. We get our first reference to what Wolverine sounds like. Storm describes her vo- his voice as annoying and gravelly. <laughs> so we know he talks like this. Yeah. So he gets his Christian Bell yeah, Batman voice. Say Christian Bale. I'm not sure why Angel is floating and leaning on the wall. <laughs> and, all right, this issue with Cockrum, very much everybody has 70s perky boobs. Yeah. Like, like obnoxiously so, almost. Yeah. It's, Just, it's, everyone has very, like, the nipple sticking up. <laughs> yeah. It's, and very it's, pointy but round on the bottom. It's that classic 70s perk. Well, just perky is, I guess, yeah. the only real way to describe it. Without getting too pervy about it. Yeah, the Storm's <laughs> a big offender on this page, and Jean, the old Jean Grey has them. I, it makes me wonder if Cochran even drove this. I'm wondering if maybe the Brown or Sutton contributed some of the panels here. Because like, it doesn't fit what he's been doing. There's a lot of different stuff. And like Cyclops' glasses are another one. His yeah. goggles are really big. Yeah, and one really of the Wolverine fins being different. So he obviously drew some of it. But yeah, that's a that's a good point. Some of the faces looked at I, to me. It looks like it looks like a different artist. I mean, yeah. most of it to me looks yeah, like a, a lot different. of it does look very different. So that's probably what's going on. Very, I wonder if Cochran drew. Sorry, I keep saying. That. I wonder if Cochran drew the stuff from the previous. Well, it, it kind of makes sense. Although like, even the Fire Lord looks totally different. So I don't know. Yeah, he must have gotten drugged down. He must have been behind schedule. That, to me, that's where this whole story fits in. Like, oh, yeah. crap, we, we need an issue. Uh, you, 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 draw draw me some stuff. Um, I need a story. Let's uh, rehash issue 100. Yeah. <laughs> and make a little story. Which, speaking of issue 100, so Nightcrawler immediately notices that this beast is not the real beast because he's not blue. Yeah. He's not the true beast. Right. But he, so this is a flashback, and he's already made that deduction once. Shouldn't he have been able to make that deduction in issue 100 as well? Seems like it. I mean, he referred to him as not being hairy. 
Yeah. But he didn't make the connection that meant he was fake. Right. He was just like, he was confused by it. Right. Here he's very much like, oh, no, you're not here. It's not, you're not real. Maybe because he learned from what happened in 100. But this is supposed to be before 100. This is back, because when Professor X talks about it, he says he goes. I don't uh, think it's clear when this is. I, that's why I was confused and thought this no, was it says simultaneously. It says it's a few days after Moriah McTaggart's arrival in X-Men 96. Oh, okay. So it's before issue 100. I would, think that, I would think that's pretty obviously what's going on. So I like how Wolverine's completely shocked that Iceman calls him a psycho. Yeah. And then goes nuts immediately. <laughs> <laughs> and acts psychopathic and Nightcrawler has to pull him back we get a nice panel of Iceman uh, icing up Wolverine and that was kind of cool yeah it was pretty good um, I'm not real sure the logic of how Wolverine gets out because he has really one arm and one claw that's loose and granted his elbow's out so he can bend his elbow maybe he's just strong enough to break it by flexing yeah I guess so <laughs> but he uses his claws to cut himself out of the big ice cube and Wolverine Colossus. also is the first to kind of suspect that they're fake X-Men. So, yeah. I, so I put in here in my notes, can a flashback copy the future? <laughs> but um, anyway, so somehow Wolverine gets out of the block of ice. That was interesting that uh, when Angel pulls off Cyclops' visor, that it's hitting Colossus. And Colossus said it eventually starts to burn through his steel. So I thought that was an interesting uh, kind of... I guess, alert of how strong and the nature of his optic blast. Aren't his optic blasts, though, um, concussive? Concussive and not laser? Yeah. Yeah. This makes it sound like they're heat. They're super inconsistent with his powers. But again, this is a dream. (laughs) They've been like that from issue one. True. Which they could still be hot, I guess, even if they were concussive. Right. I do think his... uh, his full force optic blast without the visor looks pretty cool in these pages. Though I still, I, I agree, I don't think that's Cockrum. No. It doesn't look like him at well, The all. more I look at this, I mean, you look at... I, I think most of this issue is not, I think you're right. Yeah, because look at, you know, look at um, Banshee, for example. You get some panels where he looks like Bo Duke from the Dukes of Hazard. <laughs> yes, he does. You know, and like this, this is a totally different storm face than what we've been getting the last several issues. Right. Yeah, I, I, to me, this is total. This is all different. Yeah. Interesting that Nightcrawler's never heard of Spider-Man, which this flashback would have taken place before that story, but I thought it was just weird that they pointed that out. Yeah, I that he would have never heard of it. trouble to note that. Now, why could Beast also stand on the wall? I guess he's gripping the wall. That's why it's all cracked. Yeah, he's but... done that before. Yeah, he uses his, his claws and his monkey-like feet to... He doesn't have claws, though, at this point. Well, no. I guess it's just strength, then. I guess it's so. gorilla strength. I don't think that that's possible. I don't know. <laughs> so, is this a Russian thing? Or do we used to say Ali Oop differently? Because Colossus says Alice Oop. Oh, I don't know. But he's obviously doing an Ali Oop. Uh, maybe. I don't know if that's actually Russian or if they're just doing something silly. Yeah. So even before we get evil Professor X, we get very much seasick Professor X. Yeah. He looks gross in that panel. He looks green. Uh, pop, go the X-Men. Pop, pop, pop. <laughs> that was dumb. Pop, pop. Uh, I'm wondering if this mastermind <laughs> reference is on the nose or just coincidence. 
Because it's in bold. Yeah. Where he talks about, I'm not the mastermind of this entertainment or whatever. And masterminds an X-Men villain who has a cape. Yeah. So, it made me wonder if if he's trying to infer that Mastermind is somehow manipulating this. I wondered if, as bad as this story is, I wondered if this if they're going to come back to this with Maybe. a Mastermind story and that right. somehow he was invading Professor, Professor X's X. mind. Right. But I don't get the feeling because I think this is that all the brain stuff was the Shi'ar stuff. Yeah, connection it's what about like because the dream was coming back and then he flipped out. And so this whole evil Professor X thing. Yeah, I don't. It, it doesn't. I weird. do like the panel though where Cyclops and blasts at evil Professor X. I think it looks cool. It's kind of psychedelic Doctor Who looking. Yeah, yeah, it's a pretty cool panel. <laughs> Wolverine says, "What Wolverine can see, Wolverine can cut." <laughs> Except uh, Juggernaut. Yeah. But, but then but that was before this, so, or yeah, after this. Okay. Right. And then Wolverine's like, because earlier he got mad at Colossus for interfering. Yeah. But now Colossus says him, he's like, what took you? <laughs> so make up your mind, Wolverine. It also looks like when Colossus saves him, and he doesn't have adamantium bones yet, Colossus just broke his ankle. <laughs> yeah. Like, look how tight he's squeezing yeah. his ankle. Yeah, that's pretty funny. Yeah, that was interesting. This is kind of the first reference that I'm aware of. But kind of the it's, this isn't the astral plane, I guess. But just kind of the idea that like with all the X Men mental powers, if you believe it enough, it can kill you physically too. Yeah. So I thought that was kind of cool. It's kind of actually really the only really cool part about this issue. I thought. Yeah. I thought just to throw something else in there, where he's when he's describing what happened, and he says that he's telling the new X Men that it was his evil self. And he says, the Charles Xavier who would use his powers for personal gain and conquest. But isn't that Magneto? Yeah. <laughs> Basically, isn't that the, the well, whole Magneto thing with him and Magneto? Have Professor X's mental powers. No, he doesn't. But I just thought that was kind of a funny thing. It was like... No, on side note, he did. Yeah. Earlier, like in the 60s. Interesting. He had lesser mental powers. Huh. And Chris Claremont ignores them, thank God. I think um, I think kind of the way he gets around it, if anyone were to ask him, he'd be like, oh, he, well, he didn't get them back when he was a baby. That makes <laughs> like sense. When he got accelerated. Or the helmet suppressed them since the yeah. helmet blocks it. Yeah, maybe. Maybe, I don't know. But, um, all right, so let's just get right to it. This issue sucks. It's bad. It's horrible. I'm glad to kind of realize that it wasn't Cockrum in much of it because the art's it's bad. Couple of cool panels. The art is pretty shitty. It's, overall. it's pretty atrocious, I would say. Um, I mean, this is like, to me, this is almost how did this get printed? Yeah. And I think I think you must be right. This must have been a rush issue. Yeah. And they were out, and they were like, let's throw something together with a new well, artist. It's only been five issues since we battled the old X Men as X Sentinels. Yeah. Like, why are we? I don't. Just. I don't know. It's bad. Horrible. Horrible. It's really disappointing. Um, I don't really want to talk about it anymore. Uh, anything else you want to say? Nah. Right, I I gave this. I gave it a one. I won. My one. only note for this was, oh come on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I I'm struggling. I kind of want to give this a zero. I yeah. I'm I'm. I think I'm gonna give it a zero. If the art was better. Yeah. If Cockrum had drawn the whole thing, I'd, I'd probably I'd, give it a one. Yeah, I really, I, I hate this issue. Yeah. 
I really, I feel, I feel jip that I read it. <laughs> <laughs> I feel really jip because at some point I'm paid for it because I have the actual issue. Yeah, well, I think if so, uh, I've I, probably paid five or six bucks for this thing at least. Well, I think if I was a you know fourteen, fifteen year old kid in nineteen seventy seven and I bought this issue, I'd be pretty mad. Yeah, especially as good as it had been. Yeah, even though the last one wasn't as good. No, it wasn't as good, but but man, it has, this it seems like it's going somewhere, and then it's like you have all this momentum. Well, it doesn't like, move oh, the here's... story at all. No, because it's not related to the story. It completely rehashes. The X-Men fighting the X-Men that we just had. Right. They just um, did that. The art's horrible. The dialogue's pretty horrible. I just The evil uh, Professor X stuff, That's where does that even come from? Yeah. It's like maybe if they're going to come back to that, but to me that's a dumb story anyway. The idea of evil Professor X, good Professor X. I mean, I don't know. that. Yeah, it's done in the that's future to with, better. You know, the good versus evil right. angel demon in yourself. It's okay, We've done, you know, that's... Yeah. Come on. Yeah, no. All right. Let's uh, let's move on. We both give... Oh, uh, well, I'm, I'm speaking for you. You got to stick with your zero? I think so. All right, yeah. So we're both going to give X-Men 106 zero out of three claws. Just piss poor. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So our last issue for this episode is... 107. 107. Chris Claremont, author. Dave Cockrum, artist. Dan Green, inker. Joe Rosen, letterer, and Andy Yanchis, color. All right. So, pretend 106 didn't happen. <laughs> Just scratch that out of your mind. I am. Forget you ever he- heard about that. We're going from 105 to 107. So, they go through the portal. Now, they're somewhere in space. They don't know where they are. First line is, where the blazes are we? From Wolverine. <laughs> yes. Then opens up and there's a giant crystal building and all these different looking people or creatures. Yes. Monsters, whatever. And they figure out they're not in Kansas anymore. (laughs) (laughs) Just kidding. They don't make that joke. But, um, and the other people call them aliens, which is the funny term. I thought that was really funny. They just call them creatures. But then the other guy calls them aliens. And then they it decide, very let's fight. ironic. It's very ironic. Don't you think? No, no, no. So they begin to say that they're here. They can understand their language, interestingly. Right. And then we have Gladiator. <laughs> yeah. Who's the head of the Imperial Guard. Basically tells them they're surrounded and outnumbered and that they need... Or the, oh, sorry. They... This, this X-Men tell first, tell Gladiators that they're there to get the princess back. Princess... Lalandra, Naramani, yeah. to get her back, uh, that they've come to get Eric the Red too, I guess, for some reason. I don't know why they need to get him, but beat him up, I guess. So Gladiator says no. She's a traitor. She's our prisoner. I'm not going to give her up. So Cyclops says, we'll take her. Then they start fighting. We have a big, long fight scene. Parts of it are pr- pretty cool. Parts of yeah. it are pretty stupid. Um, big shovel monster. We'll come back to that in a minute. That's kind of a dumb part. Wolverine gets basically burned to a, basically vaporized, yeah. almost. That's an awesome panel. It is an awesome panel. And then immediately he comes back, which we get, I think that's the first, I guess he uh, blew up one time before, but to be burned down, I think that's the first time that we get this idea that... He, I'm going to I'm gonna disagree, but we'll talk when we get okay, there. Okay, we'll come back to that then. <clears throat> that may have happened before, uh, at least in that level. But anyway... Um, 
and we have this all right so we'll just keep moving so it's a long fight scene they fight they finally get to Lalandra, and then really the main point of this issue besides all the different alien on alien fighting is we get the the, the actual backstory of what what happened so right. Lalandra tells the story that basically her brother Dokken Dakin Dakin yeah. Dawkins is Wolverine. So he doesn't see yeah, so we don't get that. That's much <laughs> Which I later. thought was weird because I forgot that. Yeah. They pretty much have the same name. Yeah, missing one vowel. Right. So Dakin, the 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 brother and I guess the rightful heir to the Empire, the Shi'ar Empire throne. Right. Um, he discovers some kind of super secret power that's called the end of the world power or right. the end of everything power, something like that. The end of all that is. The end of like all that is. We're very catchy, right? Yeah. So she finds out that he's discovered that and that he's going to use it to conquer the Well, no, galaxy he just, he's or, going to use it to gain power and she's afraid that it's going to destroy the universe. Yeah. Yeah, there you go. So, yeah. So I guess it's not clear what his plans well, are. When actually talking about this, she doesn't really know. She's just scared. That, that part. Which is kind of a weird. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. All right, go ahead. but yeah, so basically that's it. So she gets scared. Um, and it, it's not clear if she actually does attack him. I don't think she does, but that she, she opposes, she opposes him. him. And then he has her branded a traitor and arrested. And then she flees. And that's basically the story here. So she, right. and then somehow when she was fleeing, she gets the image of professor Xavier, super yeah. eyebrow Xavier, which that doesn't quite make sense, but whatever yeah and then it turns out that she was missing a piece of herself and xavier completes her all jerry Maguire style and um it it's not you know whatever i don't i don't think you're supposed to really understand they just kind of let this idea that that somehow there's some connection between them and when she's fleeing her empire when she gets close to earth or close enough i guess that the the connection picks up between the two and it turns out they're I guess fated to be together. Maybe that's what we're where we're going with. Anyway, so she comes to Earth, gets Xavier. That's where the X Men get involved. They're all working with Dakin is working with turns out Dakin is the Craven, right? Yes. Yeah, pretty sure. He was the, the Craven the guy. Alien hunter. Who had hired or I guess hired, I don't know if I think guess he's hired or not. But Eric the Red, Magneto, Black Tom, Juggernaut, all of that was all put in motion by Dakin to get Charles Xavier and ultimately Lalandra. Now, to me, I'm not quite clear how Dakin knew that he needed to get Professor Xavier so far in advance of when Lalandra finds out about Professor Xavier. Right. Because she doesn't show up until last issue, but apparently Black Tom and Juggernaut have been building on that castle for years. As we said, they developed right. all the torture chamber and the guns and all. And they got that money from the people that paid them. So this is all one long plot. Yeah, yeah. With the Shi'ar Emperor like as the puppet the master. Shi'ar Emperor funding it all, somehow tied to the fact that Londra saw Xavier's face and her brother Dakin knew about it. She tries to convince Guardian, the Laundra that is, she tries to convince, not Guardian, Gladiator, that she's the, uh, of what her brother's trying to do, but he doesn't believe her. The war's not, the battle's not going well for the X-Men and the Laundra, and then suddenly the Starjammers show up, 
They're kind of a renegade pirate, space pirate outfit. Pretty cool, pretty 80s, late 70s, 80s uh, to me. I think of them as being kind of classic, even though this is late 70s, kind of classic 80s space pirates kind of thing. Very Han Solo, you know, as we get some more Star Wars stuff. Han Solo, he's got a big green Chewbacca. Yeah. You know, so they roll in. They shock and awe, right? They scare everybody. knocks Dakin and his people off their off their kilter and ultimately they're able to kind of get away and defeat the defeat the guys and then get away and then we have a little teaser with the fantastic the fantastic four yeah at the end so that's the broad plot all right, well lines. all right well, let's, <laughs> let's talk about the crystal opens at the end yeah and the universe blinks out for a second. So the, the Dr. Kobo or Reed Richards are concerned. Yeah. Oh, and I forgot the Death Stars. I forgot to mention yeah, the, Death the Death Stars. The Death Stars are lined up, fulfilling the once-in-a-million-year prophecy. Yeah. And the crystal shoots out this energy. And basically, for Dr. Reed Richards and Dr. Corbeau are worried that whatever happened, if it continues, will destroy the whole space-time continuum. Yeah. And the universe will basically like blink and eventually flicker out. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I forgot about I'd add right. that part though, and of course just the Death Stars. Yeah. But they're not a spaceship; they're actual stars that they call the Death Stars. Okay. Right. Yes. I mean, yeah. Those yeah, are actual actually stars, stars of not... death. Okay. <laughs> All right. So, um, I'm just going to assume here, making an assumption. The whole time they were making issue 106, that whole time Cochran was working on this opening panel of 107. Because <laughs> this panel is awesome. Yes. This I is love a- this panel of the, of the whole X-Men of this point. And the whole team, everybody looks fantastic. Yeah. This panel alone would get them an extra claw. Oh, yeah. I on agree. On the final yeah. thing. I mean, to me. Because this is, this is a great panel. Like, I would love this as a poster. Oh yeah. I mean, if I did posters, <laughs> right? I don't have any posters in my but, house. You know, when you were a teenager, but, yeah, it yeah, would have been a great poster to have. Yeah, everything about it is just great. I, uh, yeah, I rave and rave about that panel. It's super. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's perfect almost. You know, and and honestly, the double page spread where no X Men has gone before. There's some pretty cool looking aliens. There's some dumb ones. Yeah, the Shi'ar stuff is hit really hit or miss. Yeah, there are some characters I've I've always thought Gladiator was really cool. Yeah, I've always thought I, I not so much not so much as a character, but I've always thought he looked really cool. Right. Well, I kind of like <laughs> gonna sound kind of pansy, but I really kind of like the pink and purple suited girl with the whitish bluish hair. I think she looks cool. Yeah, she's pretty cool. There's also another. Well, we have one. the old school Wolfman. Yeah, Eddie Munster with the saber tooth outfit. <laughs> yeah. I'm not. Uh, I, he's kind of weird looking. Right. And you have the Superman looking guy right. with the bug glasses. All right. Weird alien. Uh, you have guy. a guy that looks like a cross between um, Colossus and uh, uh, what's the DC like, all powerful hero Captain um, Captain oh, yeah. Adam. Yeah. He's oh like, yeah. Yeah. It's like a cross true. between Colossus and Captain Adam. Yeah, and he's I kind of cool. like the bat-looking vampire yeah. chick. She looks cool, and kind of cool. Something about the girl—maybe it's the pigtails, 
but the one with the, the fur around her ankles and yeah, wrist. The yellow one. Something about her reminds me of like a Hanna-Barbera cartoon. Yeah, she reminds me of Spider-Girl. Yeah, a little bit. Spider-Girl. I don't know if I don't know if Spider Girl's still around, but yeah, she is. Well, Spider Woman now. Spider Woman, yeah. She grew up. Oh, okay. Yeah. So yeah, it's a pretty good panel. It's, it's, and then um, the giant crystal in the background. Yeah. Is, is I don't know about kind that. Kind of cool, but I don't know. <laughs> anyway, I, I, again, kind of mall looking. It looks like they're in a mall. Yeah, it does. Kind right. of this is the fountain in the middle, right, right? Right. In the food court. <laughs> It's interesting how the the, tr- the vegetation has all the dots. It's very 70s spacey. Yeah. yeah like I said, Cockrum either was just a master or was a forerunner of space in the comics in the 70s. Yeah. Like, whenever I see his space stuff, that's how I imagine, and maybe it's just because I'm a big X-Men fan. Maybe I'm flavoring it. Maybe. But... Uh, to me, it's like the quintessential comic book space experience. Cockrum looks like Cockrum to me. Yeah. So, like it or leave it, I feel like he's kind of the principal player in that. Yeah. That was awesome. We get like a very punk rock gladiator here. Yeah. With Not only with a big mohawk, but with giant sideburns. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a cool gladiator. Yeah. Um, let's see what else did I have. We get this weird scoop monster. Yeah, I want um I want to point out though that in on page well seven for me, that was really cool to really see Storm showcasing her leadership skills. Yeah, by kind of taking charge for the first time. Yeah, she does. So I thought that was really cool and very much a part of how we see Storm now. (laughs) Um, we get some more Wolverine, Cyclops, and banter. Yeah. yeah, and then the shovel beast looks ridiculous. And Jean looks like she's back to her old swooning ways. Yeah, well, it's because she just powered the uh, Stargate, so it yeah. took, her, so took the know, Phoenix out of her. It's okay. It's understandable. Um, I kind of think the uh, shovel beast looks like a cute uh, violator from Spawn. Like with the big, like <laughs> yeah, super skinny, overhanging jaw. Yeah. So there's a character that changes his shape, basically. Right. One of the aliens, and, and he, he turns, turns into, into this into giant a monster they call Moroccan sh- Shovel Beast. Yeah, not Barack Obama. No, not related. <laughs> no, this is a weird bucktooth monster, right? With a big, un, you know, basically a, a Bubba Gump. But and his what's his name? His name's Hobgoblin. So I'm going to do my own retcon here. Is his name Hobgoblin? Yeah, the shapeshifter. His name's Hobgoblin. Oh, the shapeshifter. Yeah. All right. So I'm going to do my own retcon. He's a shapeshifter. Okay, so you can do what you look like whatever he wants, right? Yeah. In my world, from now on, the Spider-Man Hobgoblin is this guy exiled <laughs> to Earth, and that's just the shape he chose to take. All right. All right. I'll, I'll buy into that as well. All right. Because you can't have two Hobgoblins. I'm, just, I'm not buying that. Yeah, no, certainly not. So this guy's the same guy. Okay, how... um. I understand some of the X-Men have said their names out loud. I don't understand how the aliens all know Wolverine's name. I don't know. thought that was weird and kind of an oversight. But again, that... The, all right, so this guy, for all the trouble they went through to run off Sunfire, this Starbolt guy is just a Shi'ar Sunfire. <laughs> yeah, he pretty much is. That pan, all right, so, so this panel of him getting burnt. You think it's an early indication? Oh, hold on, hold on. We got to we got to talk about the oh. shovel monster oh, I'm a sorry. little more. Yeah, 
Oh yeah, because well, your, lo- your love affair with the image inducer. Well, I just, you know, the whole thing about the image inducer is funny because you know we talked about it last on the on the year two one Nightcrawler changing his look so right. much. Yeah. So this is really funny because they have this giant shovel monster and it's tearing all this stuff up, and they don't know what to do because it's too powerful. So Nightcrawler. <laughs> Gets out his image inducer and makes this weird line where he's <laughs> basically, I was going to throw this away, right? but I'm glad I have it. But it's like, well, you had this super advanced piece of technology. Yeah, Why were you just going to throw it away? The only thing I can think of is Claremont <laughs> didn't think the reader can, like, would be like, I haven't seen this in like four issues. It must not exist anymore. Right. Like, we must be that dumb as readers that because he hasn't brought it up, they must have got rid of it. So, but at least, but even then, he could still just say, "I'll use my image inducer." Right. Remember that? Yeah, but it's the the, the whole. I was gonna throw this away. <laughs> I don't know why I find that so funny because it's not that funny. But for some <laughs> reason, to funny. me, it's really funny. It's funny. It and like, the fact that this guy could get scared of like another creature of the same thing. Right. Oh yeah, and that's it. So the image inducer, he just basically makes a fake version of the shovel monster right. and that scares everybody enough so that hobgoblin quits paying attention. Well, he gets shocked back into his natural form. Yes. He his con- breaks his concentration. So he right. becomes his normal form and the night car just punches him in the face. Yeah. It's a good old fashioned punch to the jaw. All right. So back to right, Wolverine. So besides, besides you get another instance of nobody laughs at the Wolverine. Yeah. All right. So you, you feel like this is an early, Undisclosed indication of a healing factor. Is that basically what you you want? I think it is. Okay, but I could be wrong. I don't think. Well, see, part of me agrees because his uniform gets burnt off. But then part of this girl talks about how oh you singed his whiskers, like you barely like heated him up a little bit, which the conversation doesn't match the art. So I feel like the art lends credence to what you're saying. I feel like the conversation doesn't. But Wolverine talks about how much pain he's in. He says, so well, clearly burns, he's been burned. But, I don't know. Yeah. But he's not actually burned. Yeah. I mean, he says is, he's hurting from the flame. Like he got hot. Yeah. And he's singed and he's smoking. But I, I, I feel like it can go either way. Yeah. I feel like knowing he has a healing factor, it looks obvious. But I feel like... Yeah, you're right. I feel like the conversation makes it feel like they obviously weren't trying to kill him. Yeah. And it's not it's not like he's burned to his skeleton and then he lives back, you right. know, which happens every now and then yeah. nowadays. Right. Because there wasn't really enough time for that. Because he's already immediately pretty much the same except naked. Right. So, yeah, you, you could be right that this but, is... But you can be right, too. I mean... It's definitely one of those things that makes sense now, knowing yeah. he has a healing factor. But I don't know if I'm ready to say this is like the reveal or the start of the reveal for that. I don't know. Yeah, I, I kind of think it is. It because could be. it, that's a pretty serious blast in the picture. Well, it definitely burns his clothes. And it gets rid of all of his clothes, and he's not burnt. Right. I mean, he's hurting a little, but his hair's still intact. So to me... But see, but that makes it seem like he's invulnerable. Then then he heals. Yeah. They don't show his stuff burning off and growing back. It's like, I don't know. It's yeah, weird. I don't it's know. It's weird. It's a good question. 
There's, there's not, and there's not going to be a good answer. So. <laughs> so then he immediately beats up Eddie Munster after that, and then steals his clothes, which, which is really no, funny. Of all the stuff that happens in this issue, I'm kind of disappointed we don't get to see that fight. Yeah, I would agree. You just get a. <coughs> he doesn't even have his claws out when he attacks. Right. He just punches him, and he steals his clothes, which right. is really funny to me. So more bug monsters. Right. So I think the soul drinker. The soul drinker. It's kind of dumb, but looks awesome. It does look kind of cool. I feel like the I like the art. The tongue maybe not so much, but just the 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 energy face he has, whatever, and the, the color choice. To me, because there's two, and the way Lalandra is standing, it looks like the monster is about to nurse on her, <laughs> or stab her in the boobs, or stab her in the boobs. Yeah. I'd, it's a weird, that was a weird choice, I think, to have two-pronged tongue. Yeah, I agree. Or to even have a tongue. What do you, if you're just a soul drinker, why do you need a, what do you need a blade? Or a, a claw or whatever that is supposed to be. Well, to, to hurt the body so he can steal the soul. I guess so. That's the only thing I can think of. Alright, so I think it's cool that Nightcrawler kind of, they can't get to Lalandra in time, so he teleports <clears> up there. And breaks a chain. That's pretty hardcore. Seems a little bit out of his wheelhouse. I also made a, a comment because he cusses in German. Yeah, I saw that. I thought about he that. He says "verdammt," which yeah. is damn. So I wrote in here, uh, cussing in German isn't cussing, right, Dirk? <laughs> <laughs> which only makes sense if you're a Mavericks fan. But. Yeah. The old question when he first came in the wing, all the Dallas fans just always joke about. Well, you can get away with, with cussing and not getting a technical because you can just say it in German. Yeah, that's true. And, um, so Nightcrawler's like, what's up, Lalandra? Make it fast. Or no, I'm sorry, no, Cyclops does. Because he's trying to figure out what's going on. He wants a story, right. but it's in the heat of battle. So it's like, all right, Lalandra, give me the, uh, <laughs> the bare bones story. Catch us up to speed. And two whole pages worth of story later. Right. So she Lots of backstory. She did not make it fast. No. All right, so I had to actually Google the Zanox here, where we are explaining the rapport between Lander and Professor X. Um, in X-Men 65, which is one of the last original issues before the reprints, Zanox are this race from the negative. They got vanished in the negative zone, I guess by... I'm assuming Fantastic Four, because that's a Fantastic Four concept. Yeah. They get out, they're heading towards Earth, and Professor X detects them, goes into hiding, make, actually makes a doppelganger so that he can interact with the students, and he hides himself in the base, locks himself in the basement to come up with a plan to defeat them and uses unites the consciousness of all the compassionate souls on the Earth, not the bad ones, <laughs> the compassionate ones, and repels this race back. Weird. To the negative zone. So somehow when he's doing all this, uniting the planets, his power like shoots off when he shoots off into space, that's when he connects with Lilandra. I guess. So this is, what is where she saying. gets the vision. Yeah. And so while they are why they automatically bond, I think I think, if anything, for uh, Claremont's just saying like they were destined to be together. Yeah, this is love, love, destiny, yeah. love story. So I gotta say, I really like the way the Shi'ar telepaths look. 
And they're kind of a brain in a jar kind of thing, but they looks really menacing and really cool. Yeah. A little bit Mars Attack, maybe, or Krang from Ninja Turtles. Yeah. But the skull almost looks like the Punisher logo. Yeah, it does. That's funny. So, so, the, so those guys, the, I guess the idea here is that Dakin finds out about Professor X from those telepaths. From the telepaths, yeah. Very okay. convenient. <laughs> yeah, very convenient. All right, so that's where Wolverine shows up in Fang's clothes, we find out. And then he gets knocked out by the fake Colossus, the space Colossus. So the one, the one terrible image I think in this one is is Banshee's powers in that top corner. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty. It's bad. even worse on this one. Oh yeah, it looks like his the thing around his mouth looks weird. Yeah, yeah, if it almost looks like it's okay. coming to him and hitting him. Right, like it's like an impact instead yeah. of coming away That's from strange. him. <laughs> I like how Wolverine's coming at you. Yeah, that's Wolverine's new catchphrase. It looks like he's on a surfboard in that one panel because <laughs> yeah. of the way the rock is. Yeah, it does. It looks he's got very silver surfer big suit. <laughs> That's kind of other than what you... T- so what else do you want to talk about? You know, we didn't That's cover really the it. Summary. Oh, <clears throat> the Star Jammers. Star Jammers. Oh, Skunk Girl. Which I think is weird that she keeps talking about how she's a feline race, but that's obviously a skunk too. Right. And skunks aren't in the cat family, are they? I think they're they're rodents. Marsupial. I thought they're rodents, aren't they? Yeah. They're related to raccoons and stuff. Oh, raccoons aren't rodents. No, but they're not cats. No, they're not. Yeah, I don't know. Anyway. Yeah, that's kind of weird. That's that's zoo book nitpicky. (laughs) So I won't won't be too hard on that. I do think the... uh, I guess I missed it. The Space Colossus and Colossus shooting each other looked really cool. Uh, and I think uh, the the yeah. Space Colossus reminds me of like a later version of a, a Cobra figure from G.I. Joe. Are you talking about Space, space uh, Cyclops? Cyclops, yes. I'm yeah, sorry, yeah. sorry, sorry, sorry. Yeah, yes, I did think He looks kind of like a cool techno scene. viper. Yeah, he does. With a color scheme. Yeah. Not really so much in the face. If it was less the it was less bulbous, I think. Yeah. Then it would look like a viper. Yeah, but it looks very very cobra to me. Yeah. But I like the design. I think it looks cool. I liked with the the couple just with the star jammers. I liked that because this is their first appearance too. Then I guess. Yes. And even the guys get sash belts by Cocker. The guy gets some sash belts. Yeah. I like that they set up that. Well, he's we from, had the cameo in the a couple of issues ago. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, but this is their first full their first appearance. full appearance. I like that they set up that the the main Star Jammer guy has an Earth accent, an Earth. Yeah. Colloquial. Okay, I meant to I meant to comment about that. Actually, that was an interesting. So, oh, I have a whole other page of notes on the back here. Hold oh, on. <laughs> yeah, I, I thought that was interesting, and why Jean's so freaked out because she she says to him like she knows him. Yeah. Not that she's discovering him, but that she knows. I thought that was weird. Knowing who he is, right, is weird. That that they make. I don't know. I thought that was interesting. That was. Interesting. <laughs> I thought it was funny that Corsair can't pronounce his girlfriend's name. <laughs> yeah, so he calls her Hepzibah, and she's like, "My name is not Hepzibah." <laughs> and I thought it was funny that they. <laughs> A slight weird social commentary 
doesn't everybody know English? <laughs> when Chion. And then Wolverine, the way this color of mind, he looks naked. <laughs> I guess uniform and face are the same color. Yeah. Um, it's kind of funny. I thought it was funny that they refer to the big guy as the Nightcrawler refers to the big guy as, as their pet. No, no, he has a pet. That burned rodent thing. Oh yeah, I didn't even see that on there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Never mind. I really, really groaned when they. I don't like when they they make these aliens too anthropomorphic. Yeah, that's the right word. When they talk about, well, I'm a cat. Cat eat bird. Yeah, that was. I hate when they do that. Um, I think I groaned out loud when I read that. That was dumb because it's like you're not a cat; you're an alien, right? That looks and they're not really birds. They have avian features. Yeah. Okay, so I thought Star Star Core was destroyed near the whole Project Armageddon. I thought so too. So I guess they made repairs. I guess they got yeah. I made a note. Now that Reed Richards knows what's going on and is investigating it, he better show back up. If he just kind of sticks his head in and this is just a way to like give credence to the storyline and yeah. doesn't do anything else, I'm going to be disappointed. And that's coming from a guy who's not a Fantastic Four fan. Yeah, I would agree. I think that they need to get involved here. Right. Again, I'm not a Fantastic Four fan either. But All Right. So anything else? I still don't really completely get the Professor X Alandra connection, but I was assuming it's a fate destiny thing. Yeah, that's the best I came up with as well. Otherwise, it's not, it doesn't make a lot of sense otherwise. All right, so I guess we can talk about Chris Claremont's love of the apostrophe. Yeah. So I made a list. We have um, seven different items with the apostrophe in the name. <laughs> uh, Shi'ar, Varakin, which was a shovel beast. Yeah. Mikron, the, kiss, the crystal. Dekin, the emperor. Xenox, the other race. Kithri, which Lauren just says it like she's taking God's name in vain, so I'm right. assuming that's one of their gods. Yeah. But she has two different names. And then the star jammer, Chion. Yeah. So, Chris Claremont loves him some apostrophe. Yeah, he likes that pause, I guess, and it makes it sound alien. Okay, well, for getting an issue off, I think we benefit. I think Cochran's art is back to top notch in this I agree. issue. Much um, better. I think it's really fantastic. I thought the story was okay. Yeah. I There was some good fighting. I don't like how... The tide of the battle seemed to turn for no reason. Yeah. Uh, the well, X-Men, the X-Men are kicking butt. And then all of a sudden, they're not. And we don't really get a good explanation of why. Oh, yeah. And then the Star Jammers show up. And I understand. The element of surprise. They turn the tide. That makes sense. But why did they need to? Uh, the X-Men had the battle in hand. Yeah. And they're still way outnumbered. I mean, based on the panel we saw. Right, right Even right. with the Star Jammers, they're still way yeah. outnumbered. Yeah. I... That... The biggest problem I had, I think, is overall, it's a, it's a good story, but there's holes in it that are pretty big, I think. Yeah. And then our, and the, there are things that are un, like the, that are unnecessarily vague, like the whole Lalandra Professor X connection. Right. It seems to me they could have come up with a better way. I don't know. Maybe not. But it, it just seemed weird. 
Right. I mean, just make it a fate thing. I don't know. The whole race linking the consciousness of everyone, that whole thing is kind of weird. But I guess if they already had that in place, I guess that's an easy, well, that's why. Right. So, I don't know. It did yeah. seem like there's... It's- it's kind of it's not greatly put together. I think the story itself is not greatly executed. I guess same kind of thing as the one, the one before the last one, <clears throat> where you have a you have an interesting story, but it's not all that well laid out. The aliens are hit and miss. There's some really good ones and some not so good ones. Yeah, yeah, I agree. The art's good, but I the art design was fantastic. The design for some of them are not very good. Yeah, but then some of them were awesome. So, but yeah, so and I guess it, maybe it's too much to ask make, to have that many. When awesome you're making characters. up aliens, some of them is going to look lame and weird. Yeah, especially in the late seventies, right. early eighties, especially in the late seventies. Yeah. So, okay. Well, um, anything else you want to say on this one? I don't guess so. All right. What What did you grade it at? I kind of want to give it a three, but I think I'm going to go with two. Okay. I think we're going to be the same on every issue then. Yeah. Um, I'm going to, it's a solid, it's a strong team for me. Me too. And if it was the opening panel and the art make it borderline three, but I didn't, I enjoyed the story, but I didn't love it. Yeah. It's not, yeah, again, execution and it's, it's confusing unnecessarily, I think. Right. So, yeah. Okay, well, so we both give X-Men 107 two out of three claws. Okay, so that's going to wrap up Wolverine year three. Uh, do some housekeeping at the end here, but um, let's talk about what we found out, what's particularly important to Wolverine. This is a Wolverine podcast. Um, we found out his name is Logan. Yeah, big. That's big. Big reveal. Terribly revealed, but <laughs> <laughs> big. As far as... Big time villain. This is his first fight against Magneto. Yeah. And particularly involving the magnetism versus the metal skeleton. This right. I, I consider that what, right. It's not really a rivalry. Um, no, but it's an important part of the. It's. I consider that history. battle an important one. Yeah. Like them against each other is always important to me. So we get the first time they face off. Because he's because he's the only, one of the few villains that truly has the power to neutralize Wolverine. Yes. Because yeah. every other villain, for the most part, Wolverine's pretty unstoppable. Right. Yeah, except so for that, Juggernaut, apparently. Except for Juggernaut, but otherwise. Yeah. All right, so we find out he has a gravelly voice. Yeah. We get our first Wolvie. Again, terrible um, reveal. But Another thing we didn't really talk about during the issue, but we get two other first um, in the last one. We get our first alternate costume, like as a costume, not like his civilian clothes. Right. But I don't think it goes back very often, but but we have it. And we also... I don't think that really counts. (laughs) It's an alternate costume. He never wears that costume, though. You you wait and see. Okay. It comes back at least a couple more times. Okay, well, then it is an alternate costume. So he just keeps that guy's clothes? Yeah. That's somewhere, even funnier than somewhere in outer space. There's a naked werewolf. <laughs> it just keeps that guy's outfit. <laughs> you burn my clothes, <coughs> I take yours. That's really funny. Right? It's also the first time Wolverine fights a battle with no mask, so we're getting some True. Wolverine FaceTime. 
And not to mention that Cockrum's Wolverine face is vastly improved. Yeah, much better. I mean, it was never really as bad as it was the first time. That was definitely the worst. But it is definitely looking more like what I expect Wolverine to look like. Yeah, I, I agree. So, all right, did I miss anything? Any other first or important developments we need to know about for Wolverine? I don't think so. I mean, I guess the, the hint towards the... All right, the possible hint towards possible, the new But that's not new. They've done other things that have kind of hinted towards that, too. I'd say that's the first... Because he falls off a building at one point. Yeah, but not that far. No, but I mean, just the idea that... Because someone some season's indestructible or something. Okay. Right. In, I think Storm says that at one point. But yeah, yeah, but that was in the uh, the extra pages. Yeah, that's true. We're just talking about Warpath. Was. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. well, yeah, maybe not then. All right. So, of the six issues we read, what was your favorite cover? Favorite cover? Um, I'm going to go with... I guess I'm going to go with 104. The, 104? With, with Magneto the, and the, the tribute. The homage to X-Men number the one? The homage to X-Men number one. Okay. I think there might have been a classic one that I liked that I may have... Yeah, we won't count that. those. Okay, but for the original covers, Death Siege is good, too. Which one is that one? 103. Yes. But I think I like 104 a little bit more. Okay. I'm actually going to surprise you a little bit. I'm going to go with 106. Okay. Crappy issue, great cover. Yeah. I just, I really like that cover. Yeah, it's a good cover. Part of it's the, the, the use of shadow and color just really appeals to me. Yeah. yeah it's, it's a strong cockroom cover. All right, so what's your least favorite cover? Um... Least favorite cover, I'm going to go with 105. Okay. No, I think I'm going to go with 107. <laughs> yeah, I'm going those were the two for me, but I'm going to also go yeah. with 107. <clears throat> 107, I, yeah, because 105 so, parts of this are kind of cool, so. Yeah. I think everybody in the world will unanimously agree that the worst issue of this group was 106. <laughs> Definitely. Uh, what was your favorite issue? This one was a little bit tougher for me. Yeah, I think... I'm going to go with 106. Just kidding. Um, I think <laughs> probably 103. Yeah, that was that was up there for sure. The first three... The first three are really good. It's hard really to kind good. of pull apart um, which one of those is the best. I think... Yeah, I don't know if I want to go 102 or 103. Maybe, you know what? I, I think I might say 102 instead, actually. All right, then I'll say 103. Because 103 has so much more the elves. <laughs> the leprechauns? Yeah. Yeah. But it has some great fights. I don't know. That's hard. I think they're pretty equally. Yeah, that's dumb. So just for, for difference's sake, you, you'll go 102 and I'll go 103. Sounds good. All right, so the year overall... As far as Wolverine goes, important. Important. It is no, nothing really dramatic. I think. No, not no a whole lot of progression. Character. Yeah. He doesn't do well in, in any of these comics. He doesn't do much. Right. He's he's still. I would say even even a little bit less than the year one. He's he's kind of a lesser character. Okay. I feel like in in in. Number two, because he doesn't do much. I mean, he's there, always there. He's always fighting, but he's never in a leadership role. No, hardly ever. He's always pictures with with and Scott. They, well, they definitely expand on that. Yeah, 
So I feel like that that develops and get, grows stronger, just the antagonism between him and Cyclops. Yeah, that that does develop, but I guess. But, but I agree. I don't. I don't feel like. I feel like he's plateaued as far as in this year, in this third year. He kind of plateaued as far as the depth. Like yeah. He doesn't really get any deeper yeah. this year than he did the previous two. Yeah, and I think that's kind of what I what I mean is that he he's just kind of a side character at the moment. I mean that's that's not the right word, but he's not a main character. Right. He's a secondary character. Oh, definitely. But yeah. Whereas in 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 year one, I felt like he was more of a main character than in year two. It's like he fades a little bit into the background. Right. And it becomes a little bit more about Storm in in several cases. Nightcrawler's doing a ton of stuff. Yeah, Nightcrawler definitely Jean seems Gray, to be... certainly towards the end. Oh, yeah, well, Jean Grey, after she becomes Phoenix, is definitely yeah one of the more popular characters. I feel like Nightcrawler is definitely somewhat of the show stealer yeah. as far as the new team. Yeah, because even Cyclops fades a bit into the background. In, in yeah, he's still in the this, leader for sure. Year. But... Yeah, because the year before, tons of Cyclops stuff. Because right. he's struggling so much with the new team and Jean and... And he's kind of he's still the leader, but he's kind of less less storylines, I guess, tying yeah. to him. Which they're developing the new characters, and yeah, I guess maybe year three we'll get a lot more Wolverine. Year four, I mean year four, yeah. yeah. Right. But we'll see. Well, speaking of which, you had asked me a question, and I unintentionally lied to you. Uh oh. <laughs> All right. So the website I was using. There was a lot of websites I went to to try to find out order of these issues mm-hmm. as we're doing the, the flashback episodes. And um, there was one site that went very detailed and put everything in chronological order story-wise, which was just uh-huh. insane. Yeah, and they man. even have, I don't forget the name of the website, but they even, and I should remember it because they deserve a lot of credit, but they even had like flashback sequences I can say, like, the flashback from Uncanny Blah, 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 and then have the next Wolverine issue or whatever. Huh. And so but I didn't want to do that because I wanted to do things in publishing order and kind of find out things as a reader would if yeah, you were going like through that. it. Um, so the, I thought I found a website that did that, but I discovered that they went in mostly publishing order. Oh. And what they did is because Marvel... Has a bad habit, and it was even worse in the seventies, where you would they would have like a guest appearance that would kind of ruin the ending of the arc in the main book. <laughs> so, so, so what I'm getting at is basically there were a couple of Wolverine and X Men appearances that take place technically in this year period that kind of are obviously after the CR story. Hmm. So that said, I still want to cover them somewhat in order. So we're going to kind of take a break before we do year four. I'm going to do two different episodes. I'm going to do one. I'm going to give you a break and do one with Andrew with Marvel team up where Wolverine meets Spider-Man because Andrew's kind of my Spider-Man expert. And then I kind of asked you, uh, the the other guest appearance is an Iron Fist 15. But the issue before that is Iron Fist 14, which doesn't have the X-Men, but that's the first appearance of Sabretooth. Right. Which is super important, I think, to Wolverine's history. 
So I thought we would combine those two together. Yeah, that'd be good. And do an episode that that focuses on Sabretooth's first appearance and then the X-Men in the next issue. So I thought that would be our... I didn't have time to read it or include it in Wolverine Year 3, though it technically is. Yeah. So those would be the next two flashback episodes. And then after that, we'll do Year 4. So that's kind of... I don't know what the exact schedule of that will be. I don't even, I'm not exactly sure when this one will be posted. That's why I said episode 30-something at the front. Because <laughs> I don't know. I'm, I'm editing 30 right now. I don't know when this one will, will actually show up because it's really long. and will be a lot of editing involved. But I'll try to find a good place to stick it as far as the current publishing schedule. Trying to find a little gap to put it in. Yeah, so that's kind of what we'll do. So just real fast, remember, um, you know, please leave an iTunes review. That helps my awareness or other people's awareness of the podcast. Um, the show notes and stuff are on the website, snickcast.podbean.com. You can email comments, snickcast at yahoo.com. Twitter, at snickcast. Uh, I think that about covers it. Oh, Facebook, um, you can search for us. Or it's uh, facebook.com slash snicked podcast fan page. All right, Cameron, plug your shit. You can find me on Twitter at Cameron Sinclair. Or you can check out my podcast, History Banter Podcast. Yeah, you should. You should. Um, Historybanter.com. We have a website, podcast, History Banter Podcast. We do history movies. If you haven't listened to me talk about this before. But we, uh, me and another friend, we're both uh, historians. So we basically review history movies and talk about how well they are to the theme we just did we did a comparison of the john wayne alamo and the 2004 alamo recently and then i think apocalypto is our most recent one by the time this comes out we'll probably have our gangs of new york one posted oh cool and i actually went and got clips from the movie i'm going to try to insert into the podcast make it a little livelier so that's cool so we'll see awesome all right we're uh unedited running right at three hours so i'm gonna cut this off i will uh i gotta go to bed yeah i know (laughs) so i'll see you guys next time um until then hugs and snicks bye (laughs) that's good i'm sorry i laughed over that that's cool man